Sweeties, good evening. My name is Chris. You know me as the Dirty Pirate, and I am your host. <clears throat> Losing my voice. What a good start. It is a Burkamp Wonderland. We are live Ooh, 22 minutes late. You know, you've got to wait for these things. We're like a fine fart. We get better over a period of time, and the later it comes out, the nicer it smells. So that's how we're going to do things. Uh, good evening to all of you lovely ladies and gentlemen that are joining us on the various platforms, YouTube, Twitch, MySpace, Face Party, Google, all of those things, all Actually, of those. Chris, so, I have set up, we have our own MySpace. You're a very sad man, Danny. Uh, let's introduce you first. Jesus Christ, you have this to 2005. <laughs> no, but it's back and so we are actually officially on myspace well you're a very sad man and you clearly have nothing better to do with your time which is why you're here tonight and you can take out our beef <laughs> uh, times are you doing well daniel as in danny sorry i've got to be daniel and danny tonight danny are you doing well well, uh, yeah, 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 I'm doing better than the offspring who's stuck in Nottingham because everyone in Nottingham has the plague and her flatmate has the plague. And so she's been grounded for two weeks. And so she's not back for my birthday on Saturday. So I might, might as well just give up having birthdays. So I've told her Christmas from the 14th of December, child, you are not leaving your room. You're staying in there just to make sure that you're not ill for baby Jesus's birthday because he will not be happy. You are yeah, looking all right. What? Good. You're locking her away. That's yes, where she belongs. Dirty needs, strumpet. Needs must. Needs must. Um, right, let's get to the main event. Uh, back in... Oh, it feels like forever ago. It wasn't actually that long ago. Last show broadcast in 2017. Two fine gentlemen, uh, and Daniel and James also, were a part of a podcast Ooh. called Goonosphere. Um, some of you, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you watching this now will remember them. If you don't, well, you missed out. I mean, you did miss out. Danny's still got the archives. If you pay us enough and you subscribe to our channel, we might send them to you. We might not. Depends how we feel. Uh, but for those of you who didn't listen at the time, yeah, you definitely missed out. And for those of you that did, you will know the two fine gentlemen sat in front of me. So uh, first of all, in the top right is Mr. James Ralph Stokes. Stokes, how are you doing? I'm all good. Good, good. Uh, you're now a family man. You've got a little one. You've got marriage. You've got, I'm I'm pretty sure, hmm, midlife crisis a bit early. Have you got a train set in the attic yet? Uh, my little boy's got a train set, which I'm not going to lie, is more my train set than his train I, set. I thought so. I'm, you said you know, replete with sound effects. I like to I like to align the little man so it's like they're attending to the tracks. Yeah. All kinds. Good. Chris, I got a question for you before you move on. How do you feel? Because technically now you're not the one with the authentic pirate accent. I am. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, you're right. Actually, I do feel a little bit like I'm a budget pirate tonight. Because I'm authentic Bristolian pirate. You are. You are. Have you tipped any statues into any any canals recently? Um, I wasn't around when that happened. Nor would have I per partook in. Although maybe I would have just for the fun of it. See, when I, mean, I saw it happen, I thought I immediately thought, I bet I know the man behind that. And I was very disappointed to find out it wasn't you. No, nah, I mean, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't even know the statue was that racist. I mean, that's my amount of attention I pay to statues in Bristol. But, you know, <laughs> if you're going to put up statues of racists, then they're going to get thrown in the lake, aren't they? Very, very true. Yeah, very true. The lake. And where is there a lake in Bristol? Where is there a lake? <laughs> lake River. See, it's all water. It's the collection of water. I call it what you will canal um and uh down in the bottom left hand corner 
Uh, he was the co-host along with James, and uh, he's been a very busy boy himself. He's been doing all sorts of things, and he's very high up in the world these days. I shall say no more. Here's Mr. Daniel Cowan. How are you doing, he's not, he's not global, though. <laughs> not yet. No, that's true. I'm, no, there's a shout out to hashtag Dan Betts. Because yeah, that man is truly global. Uh, no, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm global. doing. I'm doing really good, Chris. Um, yeah, life is. Uh, life, life, life is good. Good, good, good. Two and uh, yeah, two, yes, I was going to say you're a family man as well. Two little boys. Uh, what can I think of that might be midlife crisis for you? Have you bought a sports car yet? Uh, no, I can't afford a sport a sports car. I'd like, I'd like a, a bigger car to fit the kids in. Uh, but no, I'm, unfortunately not. I've recently, I've recently signed up to a fruit and veg box where they send me wonky veg to save it from going to landfill. I feel like that's kind of rather than mid midlife crisis, it's middle class crisis. That's bourgeois. Yeah, right? that, that's full hipster. That is bougie. It's very that, bougie. Yeah, that's David Brent signing autographs in the grocery to the random man, having to tell him who he is. That's that's what that is right there. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to take shade thrown from the, the from the pirate that's from the middle of Lidl. <laughs> yeah very true i can't go to little anymore not allowed out we're not none of us are allowed out are we or are we i don't know nobody knows anymore um right let's uh let's go back in time first of all then before we talk arsenal because apparently that's what we're here to do and there's been lots going on but before we do uh gunasphere daniel i'll stick with you first of all so your last show was in february of 2017 uh, lots of water's gone under the bridge since then. You know, things happen in life. Um, we might touch a little bit later on in the show about some of the things that, that happened with you personally. But as a, a show itself, um, have you missed podcasting? How has things been? And and what kind of memories do you have of, of the good old days, if you like? Because it's three years. I mean, it, it goes by quick, doesn't it? Nearly four years now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nearly four. Um, I mean, it's nearly four since our last show. And I mean, that particular show, I think... The last one before that was about six months. Um, I think the last time we were doing doing it regularly was about 2015. Um, so it's you know it's been a while since we, we've done it with any kind of regularity. Um, for the first for the first sort of couple of years um, after we stopped, um, no, I, I didn't miss it at all for for reasons we we might touch on. I I've missed it recently. Um, I think. You know, when when Arteta became the manager, I kind of I think that sort of re-sparked my love for Arsenal. I actually felt good watching Arsenal again, um, not just in terms of the way we played, but just the way they made me feel. I mean, we've we've played some bad games and we've had some terrible losses, but I've still felt connected to the club. And I kind of feel like a lot of people will understand me when I say that for, for a number of years towards the end of of, of Wenger's time. And also, especially throughout Emery's entire time, that connection with the club just, it didn't feel as cohesive hey. as it once did, it didn't feel as instinctive. Um, for me, I've, um, I've I've missed it recently, missed the camaraderie. Um, and I think what I really enjoyed more than anything wasn't actually the podcasting itself. It was the hours of silliness that James and I would spend together coming up with all of our sketch ideas and, um, you know, stupid things. We would come, we would write a whole sketch, but then we would spend a couple of hours talking about, you know, where to put a specific sound effect for, you know, the, the, the greatest sort of hilarity. And I think that that that's, it's the process I miss more than anything because 
it was all about creating something that other people would enjoy. The actual podcast itself, you know, we'd be on for an hour, hour and a half, but people would be talking about it months, years later, and they would say, oh, I remember when you did that thing. I remember when you did that Batman sketch. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, when, when you did the uh, Justice Lawyer sketch and all those kinds of things. And that, that means a lot. That's what I miss. Yeah, yeah, good, good times, and uh, like you say, it's it's the little things that you miss when you when you're sort of off for a while. I had a brief hiatus just from from being busy, and it's just the, the trivial things you miss. Um, what about you, James? How how have you sort of found it? I mean, you you'd have had if you'd have carried on through the Emery era, era you would have had sketches. You'd have had thousands of sketches you could have done with him. Missed opportunity, but. Um, did you like like a lot of us? Did you have that kind of period where you almost fell out of love? Not with the club because it's always in our blood, but just that period where it's it just it was hard, wasn't it? It was it was a hard watch. The Wenger transition yeah. to Emery and and then obviously Arteta coming in. Did you sort of suffer that with us all as well? I think um, I think mine started um, when we got to the point where we felt we couldn't through what. Uh, the smorgasbord of reasons we couldn't keep continuing with the podcast. As Daniel's touched upon, it was the camaraderie of all that. That's, that's what you really enjoyed about it. And when Asa Wenger left and Bruce Rioja came in, <laughs> it was, I don't know, it's just like a, a maelstrom of just shit, wasn't it? Yeah. It's just what was once enjoyable, because oh, even under Rioja, the worst times under Asa Wenger, at least it was enjoyable. And there were sort of flits here and there under Emery where, where it was, you think, oh, maybe it's going to be all right. Maybe it's, and then it just plunged into shit. And yeah, like you guys touched upon during those times, I was pretty sort of had enough of it all. It's, it's like being ambivalent. Not you. It's not like you don't care. You just at the point where like, ugh, we just want something bad to happen. So it will change and we can implement something good and then get to some way to go back to the way it was. And, yeah, I would say that that sort of curtailed my desire to podcast along with other things. But as Daniel was touching upon, what I really missed about the podcast and my favorite things about it were not just the camaraderie, but spending those times coming up with something on the fly or you do a, sort of a movie quote that was very sort of set to only a select few people and someone would get it. Mm. And if someone got it, even if it was one person out of a hundred, it's incredibly rewarding, and that's what I missed about it the most. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days where, like, when I came on board with you guys, as well, and we would sort of spend like a good half an hour before a show, going, "Okay, so we've got this one. We need to get that one in. Let's work this one in." And and just hearing like people come back and say, "Oh yeah, I remember that," or "I remember this player," or "I remember that sketch," or whatever. Like you say, it does kind of um, ring some bells. Danny, you are the resident bookkeeper of ABW as well as producer, owner, general fuckwit. What, um, what, what is your memories? Because you, I mean, you've got your famous list of all the Arsenal podcasts nowadays. I mean, you know, there's people out there previewing previews of previews. I mean, it's that busy. Um, but Gunnisphere was like, you know, one of one of the old school, wasn't it? You know, Zars blog, Gunnisphere. I'm sure there was another one, but there wasn't many of us back in, in the original days, was there? And certainly not the way that the lads produced their show and, and the comedic value of it. it. You know, they were ahead of the game. 
I always felt lazy. We'd just turn up, record it on Skype, bish, bash, bosh, done. Like now when I say I'm, I do the editing, all I do is stick a bit on the beginning, stick a bit on the end, and I'm done. But this lot, they would go hours of, of building it all up. And that, that Justice for Gimli's Penis sketch was one of the funniest In ones fair, they I did. I've got to say, the, the uh, editing has got to be credited to Daniel because I'm terrible at stuff like that. <laughs> just everything you did. It was more like a comedy sketch show. Uh, than just an Arsenal podcast, and that's why I was so sad when you t- when you lot um, decided to go your separate ways because, like so many of them do. But looking back at my list, if you go to um, a birdcapwonderland.co.uk and you have a look at pod- Arsenal podcasts, I've, uh, my list is up to about the letter T for the because all of the I don't do like the Goonosphere wouldn't be under G, it'd be under T, and so many of them that is. Uh, that started around when we did. There were some that started in 2010. Not most of them have gone now. There's only a few of them left, but the Goonosphere would be in my top three Arsenal podcasts of all time. Well, along with, um, uh, probably Ars blog, which I don't always listen to as much as I should do because he's brilliant. Just yeah, make it all the time. It's the only one I still listen to. Thanks for that. Now that you're on here. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, his his mate gets on my nerves um but i listened there's there's some real i mean you can listen to something like the stuff that tom puts out at the moment real i mean that's how i everything i know about party has come from tom and his podcast the same old arsenal and then you've got sophie and amanda and kevin campbell doing their one and uh i'm gonna see if i can get us an invite on that podcast so we can go and tear it up a bit (laughs) which which one's that the uh amanda's podcast if she's listening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, didn't, we, didn't we do that once didn't we once go on we we, we did, did a tour separately. yeah he did we yeah. did a tour of podcasts over a period of time and we went on everyone I, else's podcast and rightly, just utterly ruined on, it i went on their podcast and just rattled on about fucking battenberg or something for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. could you imagine if you guys joined um mike and andy on on gunas in the usa as well can you imagine that as a crikey of oh, danny knows those guys well that would be quite the um quite the cluster of, of things but uh yeah, yeah no I, I agree with you if i've got to say that was actually go for it i was gonna say the u.s schooners um from from memory uh were actually some of our biggest fans and um we, we got most of our listens um from across the pond and i think it was it was that type of humor that irreverent humor the sort my of authentic american accent as well. um you, you, you saw yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll thrust McDaggett. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I think it was that was definitely <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that what people really liked or um, they connected with is, as I think a lot of, especially um, Arsenal fans in the US of a certain age, maybe grew up on a diet of alternative British comedy, starting with Monty Python, moving into Stuart Lee, ending up with things like, you know, the Mighty Boosh and stuff like that. And I think that they found a kindred spirit in in our show. Um, and it was that always, but it always sort of blew blew me away because I always thought that our kind of, you know, stupid humour was, was, was very limited. And I never thought that it would ever grow to what it grew to. I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, our, our, our most ever listened show had about 9,000 um, listens or something like that it was eight thousand of them were probably danny but um you know we we we, we had uh, you know we had a reasonable following and i think that it always surprised I, I, james might agree but it always surprised me that it it went further it sort of you know trans sort of um transcended just 
British humor and it kind of yeah, reached more yeah. people around, you know, to the global family and, and, you know, some of the people who would get like, you know, six, six o'clock in the morning, you'd wake up and you'd have messages from gooners who'd been awake since 2am, 3am over in the States going, where's your new podcast? Um, so even yeah, that's, now, even that, now, that was always mad. People still are. Even, yeah, even now, like, you know, three, four years down the line, we still get people messaging. When's your next one? And it's kind of like, you know, take a hint guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's as good a time as any to 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 say um, this is the part where we tease the listeners, and, and this is the part where they have to listen all the way to the end because at the end we might have some news for you. So that is the tease. That means you've got to stick around. You see, that's clever marketing what I did right there. Uh, either that, or you just fast forward, but don't do that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, the, the, speaking of sketch shows, like the thing that I always re- always sort of thought of you as like for me um was the day-to-day and, and the sketch shows that, that they those guys were doing that was what always came across like uh, that kind of era of, of british humor so um yeah it was it was a fun fun time and and i was happy to be a part of it but uh very and brass eye yeah all oh, the classics yeah the uh the trunk stuck up the up, yeah, up the elephant <laughs> brass i'll never forget that sketch just pounds a week could save nelly from yeah anyway if you haven't well as it. as a just just to jump in on the on on the on brass eye those of you who remember cake yeah, uh, with okay. the mp sir david amos so you david amos is my local mp um <laughs> and uh through through uh it's 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 quite childish i'm out outing myself now um but whenever whenever we've interacted i've done my best to get a version of the word cake into the conversation <laughs> as you should as you, as indeed you absolutely should do um what we are going to do now then is um have a little chat about arsenal now obviously transfers has, has you know been the big thing uh some that have happened and some that haven't so we'll come on to that in a minute but Let's um, let's go all the way back. Yes, before we start, do you think you and I should have an UR off? We could do that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Were, were you excited by the the prospect of? Yeah, Ustara? because it gives me some like the opportunity to delve into the um, you know the authentic Bristol dialect when UR goes up the wing. <laughs> it's funny, actually. I, I host a, a French football podcast, and um, we and and I, I'm sure the guys at GFFN Pod were getting sick of Arsenal fans and the mentions. And not just the announcer or sort of um, hashtag, but the amount of people that were pronouncing it incorrectly. It it genuinely got a big issue in France where people were genuinely pissed off about it. So it made me think of you, uh, certainly, in in, in in our neck of the woods, um, indeed, for for the accents. But Uh, the glorious Bristol country, the glorious West country. The glorious West country, yeah, absolutely. So he didn't arrive. Yeah, there was that bloke called Jack Carey. Three six nine. We we got him on once on podcast number eleven to come on and pretend to be Stokes because Stokes didn't turn up for one, and we just kept getting him to say curly whirly. Curly whirly, yeah, I just that as well. Curly whirly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember oh, the good for all, all his best attempts. He was a poor, poor imitation. He was. Yeah, he never quite got it right, did he? Um, but yes, we did play a game uh, in in the interim period, which was against Sheffield United. Um, Danny, were you awake for this? There uh, I so am. I had six hours sleep. I was furious. That night I went to bed at half 11. Yes, I got up early because John wasn't sure whether he could do the show or not. But yeah, Chris and uh, John and Josh did the show. Yeah, and I watched the game and yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? 
Yeah, well, you, you say that. I mean, like, the first half was about as entertaining as a, an, a used Unai Emery tissue. It wasn't great. But the, the second half, things perked up. I mean, there literally was nothing to talk about at halftime other than should David Luiz have been sent off for a shirt pull? He should no. have been ridiculous. Um, and they, they somehow managed to gloss over the the leg breaker on Aubameyang as well in that commentary. But, you know, enough said. But, uh, yeah, it was the substitutions that kind of changed the game. And, and we saw Pepe come on, saw William move into a different position. Aubameyang went through the middle. Um, and uh, certain Datsun owner's favourite friend, Hector Bellerin, score, uh, setting up two goals, both with assists, to leave him raging, I'm sure. Um, what did you make of that, Danny? Because the thing that the thing that I liked about that was it, it showed Arteta's tactical flexibility, which is something that we haven't seen like a huge amount of this season because things have largely gone well. But it showed that he was able to change the formation, adjust it, and make decisive changes, which is something he's you know substitution has not always been a strong point. So, is is that how you saw it in terms of how the game changed once he made those changes? There was quite a few things that I saw that I liked. Um, I was uh, high-fiving myself because when Willian moved into central midfield-ish, I thought, there you go, that's 50 million quid saved. We won't have to go and get that shitbag party or our... Did I say that right? No. Our? You never say anything right. We what know the pronunciation, Chris? It's Usam Awar. Usam Awar. I said Awar. Oh, wow. no, you, you say it like like a, a, a Tesco version. It's, you haven't got add, enough add, on it. Add ya on the end and then chant it. Oh, are ya? Oh, are ya? And there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, see, there you go. There is a way we do it. Anyway, so I saw William go through midfield and I thought Pepe's coming on because sooner or later Pepe's, Pepe's got to start doing stuff. And he did. And he was brilliant. And you could almost see the flames coming out of his ass as he ran down that right wing with a few of the afterburners on. I thought, here we go. Ran into the box, still full of the confidence to be able to do the, the old tricky with the ball, pull it back, take on six players. And then it came back out again. And I thought, oh, here we go. It's not going to work. But it was, um, it was a game that, as soon as Alan Smith said, oh, Arsenal are going to get a clean sheet here, that's really important. He hadn't even finished the sentence and they scored. I thought, oh, Alan, you've bloody jinxed it. But it's really good to see that, like you were saying with Arteta, this is why Arteta is so good. This is why he worries so many... Oh, we've had someone become a new member. Ooh. I think looking at that logo, I think that's Mike Hertz. I'm just going to go is. and check. It is it Mike is. Hertz. He has joined our YouTube. The uh, Welcome to the Lord Dennis of Burkamp level. Well... You you get you get a, a thanks and I think a uh, Lord Dennis of Bergkamp level. I don't know which one that is. Do you know? Dark oh, you you he goes around his house and cooks him a cut price meal from Tesco Reductions. Some sort of bizarre amalgamation of cheap shit. <laughs> That's the two pound ninety nine one. That's the first one anyone's ever done of those. I think you meant to get something for that. Mike, if anybody can tell me. Because you get the Dirty Pirate Wave, and that is only for um, a couple of people. So the Dirty Pirate Wave is for J-Rob and Bill Butler. Are that, if you two are here, put your hand up, let us know. And the Lord Dennis of Bergkamp. Can someone tell me if he's meant to get some kind of special thing? Is it, Do we wish him happy birthday, even though it's not his birthday? I can't remember. Anyway, to get back on point, it's uh, yeah, that's why um, teams are scared of Arteta. And that's why um, Jurgen Klopp is saying good things about Arteta, because people can see that he is the future, his ability to change the tactics. And we've had 20 years of, of Wenger going, uh, we, we're winning to we're 2-1 and we're going to bring on a defensive midfielder to get that extra goal and this is the kind of thing we're going to see regularly from Arteta 
and even now, I've been watching football all these years, he is still managing to do stuff and, and change games in, in the middle of a game effectively, playing players in the right position, getting the best out of players. And that's why I still do hold out hope for Pepe, that Arteta is going to turn him into the player that Chris says he's going to be because I don't need you getting the grief, do you? Oh, Chris, Bill Butler's there. He gets a special pirate hello. Ah. He's a... There you go. He's a, there you he's go. Wow. That, that wasn't he, anywhere near dirty enough. If you... Sorry. Your hands look very clean. You've clearly been following the COVID restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Do them you, twice a day. Twice a day? No, twice a minute? I don't know. Toy. Twice a day. Yeah, that was just wrong. Uh, yeah, if you didn't see the audio, uh, the, the visual version of that, you really missed out. I, I'm just, I'm just looking to see what Mike Hertz gets for his money. And it says, you get to take the podcast penalties and free kicks. So if we, oh. get, any, we get any penalties or free kicks during the show, Mike, get your boots on. You're getting Dead involved. Deadball specialist. Love that. <laughs> and and oh, you should definitely get a place on the website somewhere as well. We'll have to, we'll have to work out that, that one as well. <laughs> we have three levels that you can join at the YouTube. One is 99p, the other one's 199 the other one's 299 and the other one is 8999 someday somebody will sign up to that and we'll, we will be ro- royally fucked we'll be like yeah. I don't know what to do uh, and Mike and Andy from the, the Arsenal uh, the, the, the Gooners podcast which is the one that is as close to the Gooners sphere as you're going to find with their kind of take on life it is brilliant and they have a, a £9,999 a month uh, Patreon if anybody wants it It's uh, I've got three Chris how many have you got? Uh, seven Seven. It's cost him seventy grand a month. Is it worth every penny? Uh, no, he's terrible. Uh, unlike ours, it, it is worth every penny. So uh, maybe we should do something special for all the people that do do um, that join him and that pay for our YouTube. Maybe we should uh, give them our phone number and we'll ring up and sing them happy birthday once a year. I'm, I'm sure they'll be not, delighted. I'm not sure. Well, are you we not going to do it yeah. twice a year, are you, Danny? No, one birthday a year, and, <laughs> and you know. Queen, do, do we, queen by choice. She's a gooner. Do we really want to risk the possibility of females joining and then John Welsh having their number? I'm not sure that's why. No, it's probably best, best that you don't for everyone's safety. I'm going to shut up now, Chris. Okay, good. Daniel, um, what did you what did you make of, of the game in particular? Anything that, that stood out for you? Because, as I say, the main thing for me was those changes. But it, it was actually yeah. quite nice, even at 2-0, where we were, dare I say it, managing a game. And okay, you know, fair play from McGoldrick was a good finish, maybe not the best defending, but we were managing the game at that point. We were keeping the ball, using it, stretching them, you know, coming back inside. And and overall, I thought it was um, what I would call a, um, a, not a straightforward performance, but it was a disciplined performance. And it, and it was a game that probably last year, well, we did lose them, didn't we, last year? Lost and drawn. drawn. I think it's a game we probably would have drawn last year. So is, is that your kind of take on the day? Well, I think it was the sort of game that we probably would have lost every year for the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> it was a real welcome result because it was Arsenal seeing seeing a game out. It was a, a game where, like most games recently, we're just not creating a lot of chances. Our most dangerous player... Uh, was Saka. Uh, he was fantastic. Every Anything that was good was happening, was coming from him uh, until Pepe, Pepe came on. And so, he, you know, he got his goal and he was involved in Saka's goal as well. Uh, but the only player who looked dangerous was, was Saka. And, you know, looking at that team, especially that midfield, and you're just worrying, like, you know, we're, we're managing these these games now. We're getting through them. 
But what we're going to do against a team that is almost as good at seeing a game out as we are now under Arteta, um, you know, we're getting to a point where, you know, potentially we're we're at risk of losing games sort of on the counter or, you know, someone stealing a game off us one nil because we can defend, but we can't attack. Um, so when Pepe came on, I must admit there was a little bit of an internal groan because uh, he hasn't, he hasn't frankly lived up to his price tag. That's not his fault. Um, you know, he didn't decide that he was going to cost 72 million pounds, but I think that 72 million pounds demands instant performances um i hope so and you know you find it hard to (laughs) he's not he's not i he never does um (laughs) put him away no no one needs to see those cheese strings um but you know i think that we you know we expect instant results you yeah you, you his first year a bit interrupted season because of um you know covid and everything like that but you 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 hope to see flashes of something where you go that's that's why we bought that player and you know we when Alexis Sanchez came in um, he had an almost instant impact Albama Yang almost instant impact um, Lacazette instant impact you know and whilst Lacazette has tailed off a bit I think that when you spend big money on a player you you might not expect them to get the goal straight away or the assists but you expect them to look dangerous and. With Pepe, he just looked very disappointing, like he would get into the final third. And it was reminiscent of a couple of other players we've had who do all the right things, get in the box and then suddenly lose their head. Um, So for him to come on and do what he did was a complete surprise, but a welcome one, because that's that's the player that everyone saw in France. That's the player that people said, okay, he's worth £72 million. So I think that for him to come to get that goal, it's going to do him the world of confidence. And also, I think having pressure put on him by by Saka, who is showing that he is uh, an absolute gem of a player, as well as William, who um, I know some of the um, you know number nerds uh, have been ragging on that particular signing, but you know the guy was in the top ten. Um, uh, creative players in the Premier League last season. He's been a consistent high scorer, high assister, and he came in and he's made a difference as well. And I think having those two players actually putting pressure on him gets the best out of him, which I think is also one of the reasons why I'm so sad that we lost um, uh, Emmy Martinez, because I feel that now Leno has no pressure. I mean, the new the new guy, um, Runison, I mean, you know, he might be a decent keeper, but He's been brought in specifically to be a number two. He's ne- he hasn't been brought in to challenge um, Leno. He's been brought in to just warm the bench. Um, and we were having a chat, James and I, and uh, you know the rest of the the, the old uh, podcast crew on on our WhatsApp. And we all instantly said the same thing when that when that goal went in. Um, is that that's a goal that we think Martinez would have saved? Is that whilst Leno's probably a better keeper overall. Martinez commands his box a lot better. Um, and he's much more commanding, you know, in, in the six-yard box. Um, and I, He's very shouty, which is what we want from a goalkeeper. So, so I think that whereas Leno potentially doesn't have anyone pushing him to be his best anymore, but then you also hope that Arteta, having said to him, you're my guy, you're my number one, that might just give him the confidence to, to stay on top of his game. I think... Having good players who can come in and justify playing ahead of someone who you spent 
72 million pounds on is only going to make Pepe say, you know, I need to up my game if I want to be in this team. He's got the talent. He now just needs to apply it on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, I agree with a lot of that, and and I think, like you said, that that goal was was the epitome of what he did at Lille. It was a counter attack. Yeah. It was a move through the lines. It was a cut inside, and it was all at pace, which is exactly what he was doing at Lille because that's how they played. And I think something that a lot of people have missed was we were in a four three three at that particular point in time, exactly yeah. the same formation that he had at, at Lille. So, yeah, I, I completely agree on on that that regard. Um, James, what about yourself? Like, how how did you see it? Because it, it is a classic. It's become, I wouldn't quite say Burnley, but Sheffield United, you kind of put them in that box, don't you? That sort of Burnley, Stoke, West Bromley type box. Um, and to be fair to them, they're better than that. Like they have got better players. And I, I think, I don't think they've been found out as such this season, but I just feel like they haven't quite hit the ground running yet. Um, and Wilder is actually a pretty decent manager by all accounts. But it, it, it was like we were saying earlier, it is the sort of game that we've, we've grind out and we've got the win. But there were some impressive periods as well. And, and you look at highlight people like Mohamed Elneny playing the role. He was in ahead of Jacker in this game. Uh, you know, people like Gabriel coming back into the side and, and easily being our best defender. It's it's kind of positive, isn't it, really, when you look at all of the, the overall yeah, yeah. things from the game? I mean, looking at the game, I can only agree with Daniel's sentiments that the first half was an unrelenting shower of shit. <laughs> um, it's just tedious and monotonous hell. But... As you touched upon, Sheffield United are not a bad team. They're solid. They're well-organized. They're difficult to break down. And you're not going to rip them apart. It's just not going to happen. So from my perspective, there's a lot of positives to be taken out of the second half. And you touched, funnily enough, on the two I was going to mention. First being Gabriel, who I think has got all the potential to be as good as anyone in the league. I mean, he's still young. He's still got a bit to learn. He's still going to be finding his feet in the Premier League, which I assume... It's a huge adaptation period when you're coming from France. And the other person I've been impressed with since he came back is El Nene. I yeah. know he's not to a lot of people's tastes. People see him as just formulaic and run of the mill and he's nothing flashy. But I've always looked him on. He's solid. He's dependable. You put him in that midfield and he's a guaranteed 7 out of 10 performance. He's the one, whenever I watch him, he's there to facilitate those with the more twinkle toes, those that are going to create. I mean, I think touching on creativity issues i think our problem with that primarily stems from playing five defenders at the back essentially when we've only got two central midfielders and then a, a triangular pivot at the yeah, top of pitch if you want it sort of stifles things we don't have the extra midfielder to um help us produce i actually think there were a lot of people out there who wanted um Uarami babbers over <laughs> thomas Partey. I think Thomas Partey is the much better signing because he gives us something we haven't got. He gives us the ability to go to four at the back and he makes us a lot more solid in midfield. And if we have those things, then we've got the room to sort of enable another attacking player. So to hark back to the game itself and what I thought were the plus points from it, aside from obviously the result, is I looked at it and thought when we played in the second half on the formation that there is enough in our team that we can solve the creative creativity issues with what we have with Willian, with Pepe, with Saka. If we're playing them more advanced and free from the structure of being in midfield, I think they'll create a lot. Yeah. Sorry. I, th- I thought you were going to go into something else. Then. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I, th- I feel like we, I feel like 
it's not such a case of making do, but now, and we will talk about Tom's party in a second, like you said, that ability of having that player in your midfield now opens up the, 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 the system a lot more and it allows us to experiment a bit with that yeah. front three and gives us a lot more options to... to I mean, I don't to pretend to know too much about him, Thomas Partey, because I watch La Liga games on Sky here, there, and I've watched him a few times, but he looks like he is top of the uh, party. He looks real quality. I really yeah. like him. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, let, let's transition then into that because we did have... The uh, the transfer deadline day. Um, Actually, I enabled a seamless transition then as well. Absolutely, it's, it's, back like, to glory days. it's like you've never been away. Um, yeah, the particular highlights of transfer deadline day for me was the fact that there was not no yellow ties. Um, they were all in their homes, so there wasn't people running around with dildos. Or that's it's a downside. The the lady who was reporting from Fulham that was wonderful. Did you see that? She was she had a very she it looks like she had a very plush flat, um, and she had a dog. Um, on the sofa behind her, and, and at one particular moment, he decided to, um, shall we say, groom himself um, <laughs> on the camera. And it was—I think it was when they were talking about Man United. And I thought that's quite apt, isn't it? But um, yeah, James used to do that when we were podcasting, which is why we never did a live video. <laughs> yeah, I'm fighting the urge now. You can see one hand; the other is a flurry of activity down here. That's Absolutely. why he's so red. That's why you can never see Danny's hands anytime uh, at any point. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes it takes it's like T Rex arms. Look at them. Um, but Danny, I'll, I'll ask you first of all. Then the transfer deadline day came and went, and we got our man. Um, the thing I liked about this the most was how utterly shit house we did Atletico. I, I had visions of like Simeone smashing the shit out of his office and just throwing people and objects around, hurling his own excrement around. Well, that that as well, yeah. I, I can definitely imagine doing that. But we um, we flirted with them all summer. It was very clear that we wanted the player. We were kind of saying, no, we're not playing the release clause. And of course, there probably would have been a part of us hoping that they would re- they would reduce their demands. And then in the, the the very last minute, with about half a minute or half a minute, half an hour to go, we uh, we activated the release clause, dropped the um, the the, bum, the bag of of money on the doorstep of La Liga. And took him and then said, now you can have Lucas Torreira. That, that's what I enjoyed about it the most. But is he a signing that excites you in terms of what he will potentially bring? I mean, obviously, we haven't seen him play yet, but I think it's fair to say his catalogue is pretty decent. Well, I have seen him play. I went back and had a look at the um, the stats or the details for the when we played Atletico Madrid in the, the Europa League semi-final. Uh, where they knocked us out. He played, I think, one of the games he played right back, the other game he played central midfield. So I have seen him play, but I don't really remember him. So I went and had a look at YouTube and had a look at some of the compilation. And for the gist of it, from what I can get, he loves to stick a leg in like a Vieira would do, break up play, get the ball off you. If you try and barge him off the ball, you're going to get nothing out of that. He's not going to let you. He'll get the ball. He'll sprint off through midfield, pass it to someone else. Occasionally, he'll do the long-range shot when he scored a few goals over the years. He's not known for his assists. He's not really known for his goals. I think last season, he, or the one before that, he did actually get five goals in the season, which is uh, not the norm for him. But the gist of it is he's a player you're not going to mess with. He's going he's gonna to stick a leg in, get the ball off you, pass it off to someone else, and then go back in and stand there with his hands by his side, looking like Superman, like stand, looking like Batman standing on the top of that statue waiting for, waiting for trouble to kick off. He's going to be there. And so people are saying that we're not going to have to play three centre-backs. I think we can get away with playing one centre-back and we can play three or four people up front. He looks that domineering and he's, he just looks like someone who's, uh, who's 
extremely skillful in what he does and he reads the game superbly because he's every time I saw anything, he was one of the first people to get to the ball. And to be able to realise where what um, how that person is going to take the ball and run, to be able to time it, to stick your leg in there without fouling the person and get the ball off them, that's that takes a lot of skill and ability to read the game. And that's the kind of thing we've been looking out for for years. Um and also the way he gets forward. But I'd had no idea. I do very little reading now that I'm old, fat and bald. My eyesight's going and my eyes are weak and my knees are grey. Um, my nose is knackered. <laughs> that's it. But I didn't know that. I know the whole thing that with a contract in La Liga, you have to have a release clause. You have to have an amount in there. Usually it's 2.6 billion or some silly amount. And that's why when a player's wanted, usually they'll uh, they'll give the player a new contract, then they'll include in the new contract a higher release clause. I didn't know that you could go to the Spanish La Liga, La Liga and say to them, right, uh, Atletico Madrid, they want 50 million release clause. There you go. Like you said, bang the money down on the table. Oh, Atletico, by the way, we've bought your player. That's it wouldn't be great if that rule applied when we were going after Suarez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the pound. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they give a bag with 50 million in and then slide an extra pound. pound. There you go. Yeah, that with a cheeky Yeah, that's how, that's <laughs> so how it works. You have to stick by that. So every player, I hate using the word literally because it very rarely means literally, but you literally go to the Spanish FA and go, there you go, or not the FA, La Liga people. I'm not sure if they're their league is run by the FA like our one is run by the English FA. But you can, Sorry, you can quite literally go and do that. It's what? Yeah, that, that comment by Don Juan. Look at all the wonderful beards, not including Chris, who looks like an English B-Tech Antonio Banderas. Let's play. I didn't read that. I know it's going to be there. I'll go and find it in a minute and highlight it. That's good. Uh, yeah, so you can do that in Spain, Chris. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I think you don't have to let the club know. No, but I think I think it's only Spain where you can do it like that. I think with other release clauses, you still have to negotiate with the club. I believe I may be wrong on that. Uh, John John's the man for all this kind of caper, but yeah, the article that I read, that's exactly what you do. Yeah, yeah, you you literally just yeah, as Jimmy's put in the chat there, the Spanish FA hold the contracts. It's like a big, you know, like your town hall of records type of thing. And um, yeah, you you just pay it, and and that's that. So yeah, and and it, and you know, Atletico Madrid were were bitching and complaining and crying about our conduct and stuff. And yeah, I kind of get, you know, you don't want to burn bridges for future deals. But at the end of the day, if you put a release clause that is easily meetable shall we say in the modern world you're gonna have to expect that that a club is potentially gonna pay it that's just life it's happened to us enough times where players have been taken from under our noses or taken from us but by by other clubs so you know scored 10 goals for Ghana takes all the penalties as well but I think I read a tweet saying that for Ghana he plays more further forward but when you've got a player all that skill and ability you're not really gonna if he's probably the best player they've got Mm. Although he's brilliant at defending and reading the game, you're not really going to waste him sticking back there, are you? You're going to use all of his ability and his skills and every, all his play, years of playing at the top level of um, European football, which yeah. he, which he has done. Although he's stayed, taking a step back down now to a, a mid-tier um, Europa League team that's going to this- for one season. This this was what I was I, I'm going to ask Daniel on this one with regards to this signing because uh, Daniel there's a the, the the way I look at this signing there's there's a couple of things that, that really stand out to me about this one is that we we you know we wanted a player at the start of the summer and we went and got him and that well, it's been a while since that's come out and normally 
you know, negotiations are kept quiet, but we wanted this guy from day one and, and we got our man. Um, the other thing that, that stands out to me about this signing as well is that a lot of people have kind of gone on about his defensive qualities. And don't get me wrong, this is probably the equivalent of like when Chelsea got Kante. Um, and, and I think he's probably the best midfielder we've signed since, since Gilberto Silva. It's that long ago since we've had somebody of that ilk. Mm. But he's a lot more than that. He is, you know, like sort of Danny touched on, he has got a creative element. And that might not be scoring 15 a season from, from uh, midfield, but he, he's a passer. He's a maestro in the midfield. Yeah. He transitions really well. And he's got that ability to move us between defence and attack. And more importantly, whilst he's not quick and nimble like Kante, as, and the comparisons, of course, will happen as soon as he makes his debut, he's got what I'd call the Vieira stride. He's got that ability to move at pace without really looking like he's moving at pace. Xhaka and El Nene, God bless them, don't have that. Yeah. And Ceballos is a completely different player. So is, is that sort of a bonus for you that we're getting a player who can not only yeah. anchor the midfield, but, but adapt the midfield almost? Well, I think that there are, there were the, the two points that immediately sort of threw up in my mind when, when you started asking your question. The f- first one is that, I mean, it's inevitable that any big black midfielder is going to be compared to Patrick Vieira. And someone quite rightly said on Twitter the other day that there's there's a bit of a sort of, you know, a, a, a racist undertone to that sometimes. And I think a lot of people probably don't mean it in that way, but that's their point of reference. Um, and that when you think of midfielders who do what Vieira did, no one ever thinks of, oh, this particular player, um, you know, from from Iceland or, you know, that, you know, that, uh, you know, this white Western uh, European guy. They always think of African players um, or players of, of, of African um, heritage. And apart from the only player that's ever been compared to uh, Patrick Vieira, who, who isn't um, of African heritage, is um, Javi Martinez. And it is that ability to transition from defence to attack. And um, so I get what you mean when you say he's got that Vieira stride about him. I think it's it's a type of play. It's the all-round midfielder. And I think there hadn't really been a midfielder like Patrick Vieira in, in, in the league that anyone in really living memory can think of. Um, you had players who were, you know, like Roy Keane, who was very good you know, he he was a defensive midfielder. He was there to break up play, to tackle, to be the shit house. You know, to be the guy who would break down the other person's attack, and then he would do a a short pass to someone else, and then they would progress the 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 ball through midfield. You look at you know players around the same time, other midfield players. You had you know Paul Scholes, Stephen Gerrard, that kind of you know people like that who were playing around the same time. They were a little bit further forward or Frank Lampard, they were a bit further forward. They weren't someone who would pick up the ball on the edge of their own box and carry it to the other box before laying it off to someone else to score. That kind of all-round powerhouse midfielder, someone who has that athleticism, that energy, that dominance, those sorts of players are very few and far far between, which is why they all get compared to each other. And we compare them to Patrick Vieira because that's who we grew up with. But I think... In a 10 years' time, people are going to be calling players like 
um, Thomas Partey, the um, the next Yaya Torre. That's what they'll mm. be calling him because that's who they grew up with. So I think it's quite normal to that. The, the, the other thing was um, when you were saying about going out and, and getting a player that we wanted from the beginning, I, I think that re- shows a real change in mentality at Arsenal that we we were willing to wait until the end to get the what we felt was going to be the best deal for us and ideally you would have liked to have bring you know brought him in sooner and i think had we known it would have gone to the point where we had to play the pay the release clause maybe we would have we would have got him in four or five weeks sooner um but it's really nice to see us just doing decisive business gabriel decisive business you know this is uh, a kid who he's a great defender already i'm not going to say he's world class but he has world class potential and i think in He's the sort of player who in three, four years time that if he was playing for another team, we'd all be screaming, why didn't we sign him when he was 23? Why didn't we do that? You know, um, and the last thing on um, Partey, when when it was first announced that we were definitely pretty much definitely going to get him, I was thinking, is he really the player that we need? Because he... He, in, in many ways, he's actually quite similar to what we've already got. He's very similar to Granite Xhaka, but I would probably say he's Granite Xhaka, like, you know, plus about 10 levels. He's sort of, you know, Janet, um, you know, Granite Xhaka 4.0. He's like a massive, massive upgrade in all areas. But, um, and I was thinking, is he really what we need? We need someone who's actually going to help us you know, in, in those attacking positions through in the middle. We've got fantastic creativity out wide and, and Stokes mentioned that earlier, uh, you know, with William and, and, and Zaka and when you put, um, you know, Aubameyang Aba- out on the left or you have, you know, Pepe. And we do have a real glut of creative players out in those wide positions. But I felt we're really lacking through the middle. And But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, I'm judging this guy on how he's been playing for Diego Simeone for the last five, six years. Of course, he's going to be playing a more defensive game. Of course, you're not going to see all of his attacking brilliance because that's not how Atletico um, Atletico is set up to play. They're set up to have a very rigid formation and play the ball forward in 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 a very specific type of way and get goals in a very specific type of way. They're not a creative team. Uh, you know, they're probably the best in the world at what they do. I mean, he's, um, well, I mean, Simeone is a shithouse, but he's sort of, he's, he's the Jose Mourinho you don't completely hate, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. And I think that when you look at the way his teams play, if you take a player out of that team, you might actually see more of their other elements. So I think what Arteta has seen in him is actually here's someone who if I need him to play the way he's played under Simeone to give us that little bit of defensive solidity in the middle of the park to protect the centre-backs he can do that but if I need someone who's going to breeze past five or six players just through you know pure uh, physical dominance he's the guy that I need and when you think when you go back to you know those Vieira comparisons. Who was our creative midfielder in 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 the middle of the park? I mean, he played with um, he played with Petit. He played with Gilberto. You know, sometimes he was partnered with Ray Parler. These aren't players that you would think of as amazing playmakers, but yet we still managed to get goals, and we managed to get a lot of goals, and it was because of the way he carried the ball. So I, I think we've got a, a great player. And the last thing I want to say is on deadline day, the way we treated 
um, Atletico to get Thomas Partey. It was a bit like, um, do you remember when Dominic Brazil was uh, was was um, giving Anthony Joshua all the trash talk <laughs> before he got absolutely um, smashed the granny out of? It was yeah. like that. And I felt like Madrid was sort of like, yeah, you know, you you think you're the champs because, you know, you've got you've got all this money, you've got your big stadium, you've got this, you've got that. Yeah, pay pay the release, release clause. You're not going to pay the release clause because you're Arsenal, you're tight, you're not going to pay the money. We know you're not going to pay the money. Ha ha, joke's on you, bitches. I felt like that's what they were doing. And then he just came in with, a you know, a massive swing and just completely took them out. And they were com- they were flawed, looking up like, what the hell has just happened to us? And it felt like I was watching one of those boxing matches where someone has just talked trash and then ended up on our ass. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's, and it's nice occasionally to remind everybody that we are a massive club. It's been a long time since we've sort of said, actually, you know, we're, we're a big club and, and, you know, rightly so. It's not an arrogance thing. It's just a fact, our Spurs. Um, James, what, what did you make of it all? Because there was a lot of sort of toing and froing and, and there was so, it, it was kind of weird because there was so much talk about the OR deal and obviously when that fell apart at the weekend, um, maybe I'll give our listeners a little bit more information on that a little bit later on because uh, what's come out is not necessarily the truth, who'd have thought. But um, when that Intriguing. kind of fell when yeah, when that kind of fell through, um, it's almost like party kind of came out of nowhere, and Arsenal were were actively sort of on the market and and were sniffing around. They they actually had a a deal kind of set up and in place for Bubakar Samare, who's playing at Lille. Um, I wasn't brave enough to tweet it because I thought if it went wrong, I'd look a bit silly. So I thought I'd better retire the ITK that day. But that deal was ready to go, and in the end, Mikel Arteta was the one that said, "You know what? He's a bit too raw." We haven't seen enough of him. Let's pull the trigger on on an established international player who comes with you know a great degree of experience and, like Daniel said, has played in a team really that has been, dare I say it, defensive for a number of years. I have a I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to flourish in the Arteta system because you take the reins off and you've got a thoroughbred there. Yeah, I mean. To start with your original point of what did I make of the whole proceedings, I'm sure you guys all felt the same. But I think once Uarami Babus fell through, <laughs> that um, it was just going to be some sort of, you know, hodgepodge, some, you know, belated loan signing and bloody Jorginho, who couldn't have been any more underwhelming. I mean, he's a good player, but he ain't any improvement on what we have. And no. he, cer- he certainly doesn't have the mobility of Partey. Uh, but him and Xhaka in the centre midfield have been like a couple of old codgers on their walking contraptions trying to get up a hill. <laughs> um, so I, you know, fleetingly had a look at, look at um, Sky Sports. Incidentally, don't Sky Sports just make absolutely everything out of fuck all during uh, oh, transfer window yeah. day? Like, and milk, next, next, we're going to show you how a milk bottle has moved slightly to the left in the office. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I looked at it in, on intermittent basis and fully expected us to sort of not really do anything. So I was very, very pleasantly surprised because I think I'd said to someone before that if I was picking our me babbers or Partey, I'd pick Partey because, as I said before, we can get what our would give us with what we have. We don't have anything in our current squad like Partey. Mm. So I think it's really a sign of intent. Like you mentioned, the guy at Lille, whose name I've forgotten, 
Sumare. Sumare, yeah. He looks quite good. And initially, there was a few rumors that we might be going after him. But as you said, a bit raw. What was the second part of the question? I've completely forgotten. Um, just just the, the idea that, that he's been playing in this defensive, predominantly ah, defensive yeah. side. And I think Arteta is, because a lot immediately people went, oh, Arteta's got his Fernandinho. And even I fell into the trap of thinking, yeah, I can sort of see that from the Man City days. I actually think he's going to deploy Partey a lot more. Um, as you touched on, more likely to be more Yaya Torre than Fernandinho. Yeah, running the midfield, not just sitting in front of the back four and moving the ball around. I think he'll have that license like Ceballos does yes you've got to get back but Arteta sets up in a way that there isn't just defensive players it's when you lose the ball you all fucking defend when you attack you all attack and I feel like Partey will give you a number of things I'm interested to see who he's going to play with whether it will be Xhaka whether it will be Ceballos or whether it will be a combination of Xhaka Ceballos and him Mm. I think if he plays with Xhaka Xhaka will still be the deepest lying player yeah 100% um, because he doesn't have the mobility. And I think Arteta wants to play a more attacking system. I think he wants to get away from five at the back. He's only yeah. been playing it because he's trying to solidify us moving forward till he can implement the changes he wants to. Yeah. I think when party comes in, as I said earlier, again, that we'll go to four at the back and we'll maybe, maybe just use Jack, Jacker as the, um, uh, as the pivot, maybe two, attack slash defense-minded midfielders in front of him, the box-to-box, to use the quote. And those mm-hmm. two, I would assume, will be um, Partey and probably Ceballos. So it could be Elneny. I think yeah. Elneny, El I, I think he might be the surprise package. I think he might get a lot more game time than we'd initially thought. I, do, I wasn't expecting him to be here. I'm sure you guys weren't. Mm. No, so, not, not really, yeah. Um, I wasn't that bothered um, that we got rid of Genduzi because yeah, I, I liked him at the beginning. But he's a bit of a prick, isn't he? <laughs> he's definitely he's got that talent. about him. He's yeah. got he's got he's got incredible potential, but his attitude stinks. Yeah, his attitude. He gains some humility in Germany and comes back and you know is the player that he could be. I think but, um, if he wants I... to buy into Arteta. Arteta's way of playing, he'll be fantastic for us. But if he doesn't, then he'll just have a shit career. He'll be, you know, he'll be like every other no-mark midfielder which thought that the grass was going to be greener somewhere else. I think what's most important about that is Arteta is showing that if you don't uh, agree with the non-negotiables <laughs> and you're not willing to put in the work, then you're getting the fuck out. And that's exactly yeah. what he did do. And at the same time, opening the door to players to come back in, like you said, El Nene, you know, a year ago, I think people forgot he was even our player when he was at Besiktas and doing very well over there. You get the impression he's come back and he's come back with exactly the right attitude. Exactly. He wants to knuckle yeah. down, he wants to work and he wants to help the team. Yeah, and, and he wants to play for like Yeah. And, to be perfectly and, and, honest, yeah. If, if it were me, I would far rather have El Nene in the team than Genduzi because mm. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really torn on on it because uh, I I do uh, so I'm really great Gendouzi and I, I do think he is going to be I do think he's, he is going to have a very good career. But as as both of you said, there I think it's the attitude change. I think um, he's um, I think he's David Bentley. He's, he's I, there is a yeah, gap for his own good. I was going to mm. say he, he he's he reminds me a little bit of uh, Diara. Remember, yeah, he came yeah, in yeah, thinking he was going to be, you know, the bee's knees. He was going to be, you know, the, the 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 top nut of the club, and he and didn't get the games that he wanted. So he decided, right, I'm going to go off. And then he got his short move to Madrid, and was all like, "Oh, look at me! I'm amazing at Madrid." What was he doing now? Is isn't he like, you know, pay, playing for some like pub team or something? 
He went to Portsmouth for a bit, didn't he? And, and then I, th- I think he's retired now. Yeah, because because I remember yeah. when he first signed, and and I think I, I sort of felt for him at the time because Wenger brought him in and, and promised him a lot of game time, and he didn't really play, and I think that's why he moved on so quick. But he never gave it a chance. I tell um, you what potential I think Gendouzi has. I think he'll take over from Wayne Lineker in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> well, will he put out on Twitter about what 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 constitutes? Uh, he'll just be an un, un, unstoppable nonce. <laughs> in his fifties, chasing after skirt in Ibiza. I mean, I would at his football career fair. finished at twenty-four. Maybe not the nonce part, but I wouldn't mind chasing people around at fifty if I looked that good. But yeah, no, I, I, I really, I hope Gendouzi proves a lot of people wrong. I hope he does knuckle down in Germany and gets the game time, and, and I actually hope he's one of the Arteta players who goes out on loan and comes back because I, I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of talent there. Um, and worst case scenario, I hope he has a really good season so we get a good fee to move him on if that's what, what happens. Um, there, there was there was one other story. I don't want to go too deep into this one. Um, yay. But um, I'll give it to you, Daniel. What did you make of the the Ozil Gunasaurus situation? I do feel like a lot of people have gone off the yeah. deep end about this because the, the guy, Jerry Key, is it? The, the, the yeah. guy who is, who is playing him... Obviously, when somebody loses it, their, their job, it, that's sad. Okay, but yeah. this is a guy who's been there for a number of years. I think from what from people who know, um, and I'm talking like people like Gav at She War and people who sort of know the club, um, have essentially said that he he was kind of ready. Like you know, he he loved the job and he was enjoying it, but you know, he kind of understood what was happening. And the club yeah. have essentially said that it's not we're not putting the dinosaur out for good. He'll be back when the fans are back, but Jerry may not be. But I think Jerry did other work in and around the club, and I'm led to believe he'll probably come back in some capacity, just maybe not in Gunnosaurus's suit. And again, yeah. depends who you believe. But it, but it was more the Urzel thing. It, it came at a weird time, and there was the people who, like our Drew said, there was the Urzel haters who all went after him for it, mm. and then there was the people who love him who said it's a great. And I was sort of in the middle. Where did you yeah. see that in terms of how he released oh, that statement? I- I, I've still got splinters up my ass from how much I was on the fence on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've got to say, firstly, the redundancies around the club have been disgusting. I mean, this is a club which has just dropped £45 million on a player on the last day. We probably spent, you know, well in excess of £100 million this transfer window. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of money in. Um, you know, OK, yeah, times are tough. But it's not like the club couldn't afford to keep ordinary people in their jobs who have mortgages to pay and the rest of it. I mean, this is an uncertain time, you know, with COVID and the pandemic and everything that's going on. You know, people want to know that, you know, they've still got an income that they can still, you know, pay the mortgage, feed their kids and the rest of it. And, you you know, you're getting rid of 55 um, ordinary employees. Um, which, so I think generally the way the club's behaved around that has been poor. And I think that that is epitomized by how the story around Gunnosaurus came out, because if Jerry indeed wanted to take a step back, I mean, you know, the guy's been doing it for 27 years. He might want to, you know, slow down and, um, you know, spend a bit more time at home with his family. As as silly as that sounds, when we've all been stuck at, stuck indoors, you know, for, for, for six, seven months, um, you know, he may have come to the decision, you know what, I don't actually, you know, want to act, I want to retire so if that's the case, just do it quietly. The guy's retired. You put out a statement saying, you know, we're thanking this guy for his retirement when we're back um, and we've got um, uh, 
fans in the stadium, we're going to get a, a new person to, you know, step step into uh, into the claws, as it were, and the rest of it. Fine, do it that way. But the way that they've announced it has been really poor. Hmm. And then Urzu, obviously, I mean, it's so clear that this is PR. You know, this is a PR game, and it's, it's actually not him. It's his PR people. He doesn't run his own Twitter account. Um, they're playing a game against the club. The, you know, he was he was they did he was done a bit dirty over the pay cut um, because he wasn't the only player who refused it, and I think he had legitimate reasons for refusing it. As seen, I mean, you know, take this pay cut so we can keep people in jobs, but we're still going to make fifty five people redundant. I think he he has been proven right on that. Um, I also think it's a it's a beautiful gesture to say I'm going to pay to keep someone in a job, but why that particular person? Why not someone else? You know, why not Doris the tea lady if she was someone who was, you know, going to lose her job? Or, you know, what you know, why why not Billy who uh, you know, washes the footballs or you know, someone who has lost their job who who isn't a well known figure, why is he why has he offered to pay for that one? And I think at that point that's when you realise it it is PR. Having said that, I don't blame him if you know he he wants to clearly he wants to play, but he wants to get paid his money. He doesn't feel like, you know, he's has an opportunity to leave the club, but also kind of feels stuck at the club where he can't play. He's in a difficult situation and he has I think he has every right to feel aggrieved. And he is showing sort of how how aggrieved he feels and how he feels the club have treated him through his PR statement. So, you know, he, I think he has every right to do what he's doing. Um, but I think that anyone who thinks that it was, it's pure altruism, you know, they, they need to wake up. Um, but I also think that anyone who thinks that he's doing it just to get back at the club also needs to wake up because this is a guy who has a very clear history of, um, you know, of charity, um, a very clear history of giving his time and his money to good causes. Someone who actually, does put his money where his mouth is and he sees injustice. I mean, you know, he was um, the only player that to my mind that I can think of, of any top club um, who has called out the way the Chinese government have been um, treating the Uyghur Muslims. Um, and he is absolutely, I mean, on the other hand, he supports Erdogan, but you know, so you know, you've got to take the good with the bad, but you know, I don't, I don't turn this into, 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 um, you know, a, a Burkamp politics wonderland and all that, but you know, clearly he's Corbyn had a falling out with the club. Yeah. <laughs> he's had a falling out with the club. Some people are saying the falling out is because he's criticised China um, and we don't want to lose our Chinese sponsors and all that. You know, there's always going to be conspiracy theories around those things. No one really knows what's going on. All we really know is right now he's not playing. Um, the reasons why he's not playing, I, I don't really think matter because if it's the, if it's the manager's decision, it's because the manager doesn't rate him. If it's, you know, if it's, internal politics would you know what would he really make a difference to this team do, do any of us actually really want him in this team in the way that Arteta sets up I don't think many people think that he's the right type of player for the club that we are moving forward um but I think he would you know he's he's got every right to kick off um and I, I don't think he's done a bad thing and I don't think he's done a good thing and I think you know if he wants to pay Jerry's wages, yeah, crack on, let him do it. It's good PR for him, um, and it keeps Jerry in a job if Jerry wants one. So you know, 
I, I, I think yeah, anyone who's either either way, if if you know, if if you're boiling piss over whether it's a PR stunt or whether he's you know the the, the greatest um, and most unselfish person um, in the history of the world, then you know, get a life. You know, do you know what it reminded me of? Do you guys ever see those videos? They pop up on YouTube from time to time, and then like Feeding customarily. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Customarily, it would be like people in America and they'll be clean cut yeah. college boys, quite wealthy, and they'll yeah. film themselves buying a, uh, buying a meal for a homeless person and they'll film themselves giving it to the homeless person and they'll yeah. film the homeless person's reaction. That's what it reminded me of. It's a really, really nice thing that he's doing, but he's doing it only for his own uh, promotion. Mm. Yeah. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Do, do either of you see him having any future at this club? Because, I mean, the, the talk is um, John Cross, the Virgin, God bless him. Um, he tweeted earlier on tonight suggesting that um, that Ozil was going to be one of the names left out of the European squad. For I the, think he'll be left out of the Premier League squad as well. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly my point. Yeah, I feel like he's he's a, he's a shoe in, isn't he? And do, do you know what really, what really makes me wonder is what goes on? You know, because he's clearly training. You know, he's clearly yeah. going into training. Like, does Mikel Arteta just sort of do that whole thing where he sort of puts his hand out and then goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, does he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do they completely ignore each other? Because to me, I think this goes way, way past football. Because on, yeah. on, on a footballing ability, yeah. worst case scenario, he's on the bench every week because he's a player who can change a game. You know, Sheffield United the other, the other day, prime example that's the sort of game you throw in it is more than talented enough to have something to offer yeah that's i think when when he when he came in when we bought him i think he was the shot in the arm the club needed i don't think he was the player we needed at that time um but it was that we'd gone so many years selling all of our best players and actually to buy a world-class talent from argue well let's not say arguably from a bigger club um yeah to actually go to go to and you know the season after you know getting alexis sanchez it it signaled all those promises that were made when we were moving to the new stadium it's like you know we're gonna be um competing at the top level we're gonna be the people who are buying players off of Bayern and barca and real madrid you know and uh juve we're not going to be the people selling them anymore and it seemed to be a, a step change in the club it was saying look you know we are a big we are a big club we're not selling anymore we're financially stable we can compete with anyone else in terms of wages and in terms of attracting the best talent and we're going to move forward you know, people will argue about whether the manager is the right person or not or whether he's um, past his best but the point is that we were attracting top quality players um for the first time in a long time we weren't just getting unpolished gems you know for 10 12 million um you know from from france or germany we were buying the the the, the cream of the crop players who might not be might not have fit in at their clubs but they were still recognized as world-class talents um and he was a real shot in the arm but like other players who have come before him he was he never suited the club he was in the he was in the wrong team if you mm. think of like Ash, um Ashavin, incredible player incredible creative talent you know that little bit of magic someone who could you just turn it on and do something spectacular but we needed a player who was a team player and he was a star player but he was a he was a star player in a team that wasn't set up to have any stars um mm. go back to I think of a, like Danielson, right? Okay, not not similar talent, but Danielson had the ability to be an incredible midfielder, 
But the problem mm. is, is he was expected to deliver Gilberto level performances in a team full of, I think our average age was 22 at the time. You know, he needed to be in a team full of older players who could nurture him. And we've had that issue over the, the last 14 years, I would say, since the stadium move. We've had this issue where we've had lots of players who have all the ingredients to be top class players for Arsenal or just top class players in general. But the setup is not there for them. And I think that's what's so refreshing now um, and why... I don't really. If we lose Özil on a th- on a free, you think you know someone you've dropped forty two million quid on a player. You've paid him on average, you know, two hundred and fifty grand, um, you know, a week for six years, seven years almost. And you think you know you've dropped a lot of money on this player. What has he actually achieved for you? A lot of people would mark him down as a massive flop. I don't really care anymore because you know I think it's time that it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what name is on the back of your shirt or what you've achieved. If you're not right for Arsenal, we'll ship you out. Um, or we'll leave you on the bench to rot. And I think that that mentality change at Arsenal, the fact that we are now buying players who fit the club and that they yeah. fit the way we want to play and the football we want to deliver rather than doing what, you know, frankly, I loved Arsene Wenger and, you know, I will always have a special place in my heart for him. But he, the last, yeah, since the stadium move, he tried to build teams around players rather than um make players fit his team it was always let's build around Henri because we want to keep Henri and then oh no we've sold him let's build around Fabregas um oh let's build around Van Persie let's build around this player it was constantly building around a player and sometimes that wasn't getting the best out of the others around him so you know yeah um good riddance farewell Alfie the same have a great career somewhere else you know but probably end up at Besiktas or something Galatasaray finishing out his days crack on you know, we've got Thomas Party. With Erizal, the question that's always bothered me about this situation is that he's obviously an incredibly talented footballer. And you'd assume that someone who's got a lot to offer, he's only 31 years old. How many players of that age with that ability would be happy to sit and just take their contract mm-hmm. when they know they're not going to play? Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Even Gareth Bale's accepted a low move. Yeah, yeah. And to that, Sharon. Eventually, though. I mean, he he did rot on the bench for the best part of a year before he did that. Yeah, he fell out. I mean, he, I think even he openly admitted he fell out of love for football, didn't he? Winston Bogard is the first one I think of with, with all this. I remember he, uh, for those of you who don't remember him, he was a Dutch international who played for Chelsea in the, the, the sort of peak Abramovich era when he first came in. And he basically just sat on his contract and went, uh-huh, you're going to pay me. Um, yeah. You don't want to pick me. No worries. I'll come in. I'll, I'll do, do exactly what you ask me yeah. and then I'll go home, you know? Do you know what Ozil's situation reminds me of? And, you know, we're all of that age where we'll, we'll remember. It's English football in the mid-90s. And it's yeah. where top top quality um, foreign players would come over to, to, to England to play for a swan song. They'd move over at the age of 31, 32, hoping for a two, three-year contract on good money, thinking that, all right, well, I'm going to get a cut of the shirt sales and I'm they're going to get merchandising rights and all of these things. And I'm just going to make a bit of money. doesn't matter if, if I'm, if I can turn it on or not, because I've got my contract. Um, I don't really care if I play because everyone just thinks I'm brilliant because I'm the name. Um, mm. And they were, and it just, rem- it just reminds me of that. And I just feel like Ozil just thinks, why do I need to play? But you've also got to remember that Ozil might only be 31, but he, he started football early. He's had a long career already. So it's mm-hmm. it's not like a lot of players it's who maybe don't break into the first team until they 
Mm. Yeah, look, I think if if you break into the first team when like properly break in when you're 24, by the time you're 31, you know your your career's got three four years left in it tops. You're past halfway, and you feel like okay, I'm I'm kind of really hitting my stride. I'm at the end of my peak. I want to I want to play as much as I can until my legs give up. But if you started playing football regularly at the age of 18, by the time you hit 31, I mean, look at Wayne Rooney. I mean, I know he's he's you know he's he's breathing chunks every week. But this is a guy who started at the top level at, at the age of 16. So by the time he hits 33, you know, it's there are very few players, I think, who start that young and turn it on the whole time. I think you get to the end of your career and you just think, yeah, I'll take what I can get. And I think that Ozil's probably at that level now. Yeah, Rooney got the winner for Derby in the last minute with a free kick as well. As we can, so he's still got it. Was it was a good free kick. It was, yeah, yeah, it really was. Made me some money as well, but shh. Um, yeah, <laughs> James, final thing on the um, transfer window, just before we go to listeners' questions. Um, I, just wanted, I just wanted to ask you whether you've got any small concerns or big concerns about the players we failed to move on. There is still a window open in Russia and Portugal, I think I'm right in saying. Um, so we could sort of shoot Socrates to Siberia, as Josh said yesterday. Um I but, think we'll loan someone to the championship before next week as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I was thinking that. I, I think William Saliba has been, it's been a bit of talk around him about, about potentially a Brentford link because um, they wanted to get football. But yeah, when you look at the rest of the players, um, I, I think he's probably the, the most handsome player at the club now in, in Callum Chambers. He looks to me like another player right for a low move, if nothing else, to give him football, just getting back from an injury. Um, so I could sort of see him going on loan at least until January. Is there any concern that you have, folks? We, we've got to meet this quota, haven't we, for the, yeah, the number mean, of young players or homegrown players, whatever it is. Let's think we've got 19 uh, where we should have 17. It means two of them are going to lose out. And I assume... Ursula will be one and maybe Socrates will be the other. I, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit strange that we didn't manage to shift that anymore, but I, I think it might have been Arsblog I was listening to and it's and they mentioned that it's worth remembering that is it we're only two and a bit months away from another window opening, aren't we? So yeah, it's thirteen weeks in it, yeah. I think you look at the likes of of Chambers, of Kalasanach, of Socrates, and then maybe one of the younger guys, maybe a, a Reese Nelson. Maybe yeah, Reese Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Someone I could see either Smith Smith Rowe or Reese Nelson going on alone to you know one of the better sides in the championship. But I think the likes of Kalasanach, it's a shame that we still got them because we don't need them, but I'm not overly concerned. I think if they're gonna go, they'll go in the next they'll go in January. We'll yeah. And it's not I we're only stuck with them for a little bit more. I think it'll be a lot easier to it's difficult to move players on when everyone knows you want to get rid of them, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and I, the, the thing I like about it, picking up on the point you've made there, is I think I'm probably the only person in living history right now to say that I'm actually not that bothered that Kolasinac hasn't moved on because, to me, he is a perfect player to slide in for Europa League games. You look at the sort of side yeah, of the game, yeah. That Europa League group stage, no, uh, when I say no disrespect, that basically means complete disrespect to our opponents. They're all shit. Let's be honest. Um, even we don't though we should just fold up and go out. Exactly. So, so for you, me, you do realize you just jinxed us to finish second in the group. Yeah. And Dundalk are going to win the, going to win the Europa League now. I've said that. But, um, but yeah, we, you, you could put out a back four. You've got the likes of Mari. 
um, Cedric. You, you've got the goalkeeper in, in Runison coming in. You, you can name Kolasinac. You could name Chambers in that side. Then you've got the likes of Smith Rowe and Nelson if he sticks around. If not, you play like Joe Willock is now fringe player. Whoever doesn't get the shirt in terms of Thomas Party, Shaka or Ceballos or El Nene, you've got experience to come into that role. And Katia will start probably most of the Europa League games. I've got a sneaking suspicion that Balogun, now he has stayed, will get game time in that competition. Yeah. So I do think quite highly of him. And it seems like he's being in- integrated into first-team training now. So, you know, that I'm, I'm not against it. If, if Kolasinac, who I think he basically said he didn't want to go, it was just an option, mm. he was quite happy to stay. But if that's the case, and they just played the Europa League games... I mean, you know, I'm I'm all for that. We know Kirantini's got a bit of a history with injuries. You yeah. know, I don't think you just get rid of players just because they're you know available to be got rid of. No, and I think something that a lot of people forget about moving on what has been um, so so kindly termed deadwood players over over the last ten or so years is that often when you sign a player to a club the size of Arsenal they're going to be getting paid a premium of some sort. Um, And we might think that someone on, you know, 80 grand a week is relatively cheap because we know we're paying Ozil 350 to sit on the bench or, you know, we're we're paying um, Alabama Yang 250 grand a week to bring the goods. And you think, oh, 80 grand a week's nothing. But 80 grand a week to another club, the sort of club who would look at a player like, say, Socrates and say, do you know what? He would improve our team. Let's buy him. Finding that 80 grand a week is difficult. And any club who can afford the wages that a top club plays are going to be looking at that play and going, well, if you can't get into their team, how the hell are you going to get into ours? So, mm. you know, what you really need is clubs, the level below yours to buy the basically the dross that you don't want. But then you also need them to be able to afford the players that you want to that that you've effectively been overpaying for the privilege of wearing your shirt. So, you know, moving on these sorts of players is really not easy, which is why so many of them end up going on freeze. Yeah, yeah. Surprise is a West Ham transfer. <laughs> yeah, he was he was linked with PSG. This is the weird. There's a weird one. Like they they came in late and and said, could we? Uh, Take him on because they're quite short centre backs, and I think they saw him as a. But bit don't of a, you remember how play. how amazing Seagan was when he moved to Spain? And we're sort of like, <laughs> yeah. where, where 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 was that player when he was at Arsenal? I think yeah, some Coquelin's players are just like really Scalacci. Well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like Scalacci, when we on paper when we bought Scalacci, I remember making the argument at the time that on paper, if you read his CV and said, "Tell me who that player is," and you like blanked out all the club names and you just. Mm. You know, talked about appearances, international appearances, those sorts of things. People look at it and go, Sol Campbell, he he had that pedigree, but then he came to us and he was absolute crap because some players just don't adapt just to the league. Sell. Yeah, because um, he was brilliant. And Socrates, yeah, and and Socrates when when he was at Dortmund, he was he was he was a good player, and when we bought him, I, I thought, oh, think cracking, we're buying him. I don't know. I I agree. No, with you haven't. Either. No, he I totally agree with you. He was bad at all. He was always one of uh, just... always one of Jason's favourites, which was Socrates. Yeah. But yeah, he he was he was never he was never fantastic. But I, there was very few games that I could have sat there and said, "Good God, he was awful." You know, he had a few that you'd have got, you just sort of looked at and yeah. gone, hmm, "Is he Arsenal quality?" But for the job he did, and and he and he hasn't, and he, he's been a model professional. He's he carried on training. He's been yeah. available. You know, he hasn't kicked off. He hasn't tried to force a move. You know, I. I 
I don't, and, and from what I can gather, he's quite a good tra- uh, dressing room character as well. So, you know, I don't yeah. think there's uh, any any issue. I mean, with that's that. one and, of the other frustrating things about losing Emmy in, is yeah. that we we're now losing a squad place for Runarsson, who's mm. not going to play. He's not going to play in the league. He's he's not going to get minutes. I mean, the only the only way he will end up playing is if Leno gets an injury. Um, That's which, okay. concerning. Think about it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we we've, we've, in my opinion, he, he could be a great great keeper and a nice kid, but we've wasted a, a non homegrown player space on someone like Runison when we've got or when we had a top-class keeper in Martinez who was considered homegrown because of when we got him. And that's that's really frustrating. But I mean, I'm really pleased for Emmy. I think he, you know, he's he's got a good move. And I think in two or three years, he will be at a top club and he'll be considered one of the top keepers in Europe. Um, I mm. think he's absolutely fantastic and I wish him nothing but the best. But from a purely selfish Arsenal point of view, would have rather have stifled his talent and kept him on the bench for us because A, we, we keep a top quality player and B don't lose a, a, a homegrown squad place to someone who's not going to get games. So I think if, yeah. if I'm going to have one criticism of the transfer market, it's going to be that it's going to be yeah. that we've gone out and we've got a keeper who is wasting a space. Um, when we had a keeper who, um, who was frankly a, f- a far, far better player. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think with Martinez it was pure. Well, it was two things. One, it was money, and we clearly needed that to get yeah. the party deal done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and two, it was the players' wishes. And a, a very interesting quote came out yeah. from him yesterday while he's on international duty, where he was quote uh, he he was ninety five percent told he would play at Fulham, and he turned around and said, "Why not one hundred percent?" And I think, you know, of all people with Mikel Arteta, that's probably the last thing you want to say to him. And don't get it wrong. Fair play to him mm. to have the balls and, and and the backing of himself to say it, but I think as soon as that happened, that was probably a decision made. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know. I think I think we've we've covered that very well. Um, Danny, we we have some listener questions uh, in the new look ABW. We we go through these at breakneck speed, so uh, we're going to be short and sweet with the answers to these. But yeah, quick fire round uh, listener questions, and just while you get them up, Danny, I will just. Just do a little bit of plugging. Um, thank you to those who are watching us live on YouTube or indeed Twitch. Twitch is the way, the truth, the means, the lights, the wonder. It's great. Uh, so if you don't already use Twitch, get on there. It's good fun. You can watch people play games and stuff. It's all good fun. Uh, but, yeah, we are live on Twitch. And uh, as the old boy would himself would have said, tappy, tappy. Um, if you do like what we, what we do, what we provide, what we show you every week, <laughs> um please give us a little uh a little like down the bottom and i'm, I'm gonna put something on it this week yes i am if we get a hundred likes a hundred thumbs up i will bully danny into putting mike hertz as the very first honorary member on our website and that means anybody that signs up for a membership will go on our website there you go i've just made an executive decision so if you want your name on the abw website for life <laughs> uh mics will be going up first if we get 100 likes so basically if, if we don't get 100 likes and mike doesn't go up there mike go to town mate the the this lot are letting you down it's on them not on us i'm just moving the goalpost there uh, well, just in case we don't get 100 likes, just that Mike has a new Arsenal podcast called Not Another Arsenal Podcast. There's him, there's a ginger bloke. Uh, every every Arsenal podcast does need a resident ginger bloke. Oh, and Josh has done a, a sterling job tonight. Um, uh, filling the chat with uh, facts. 
unlike me, I've just been sitting here like a fan listening to uh, to James. He said Jock then. I don't think I remember Jay. He listened to James and Daniel. It reminded me of the old days when uh, I could see my undercarriage about having used mirrors. <laughs> stuff, now. Stuff. And, I, and I do just want to give a... Is it, it's like one of those mirrors that they check for car bombs. <laughs> on, on a stick. A man it in a hazmat suit. Huge. On the stage. It's, it's one out of the... <laughs> When I'm not using it, the, the hub will use it. From that. Um, and speaking of other podcasts, um, I've noticed we've got um, Hybris God Sophie's in the house. So, Sophie, God bless to you. Hope you're keeping safe in that mad, mad world you're living in over in the States. Um, Sophie for president. That's what I say. Um, Hopefully, Amanda has said that she is free on Sunday to do an ABW meets uh, the Highbury squad. So I'm just waiting for Amanda. She forgot to ask Sophie and Kev. Uh, can't Kevin the, Campbell. Can't, I refer to can't him. Can't get the staff, can you? Honestly, can't get the staff. You'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, Someone uh, else will be there. But yes, I might be there if it's me. It'll be a show with those three. Um, Josh is next in line, I think. But uh, yeah, right. Anyway, enough of this waffle. Question, Danny. Who's been asking us shit, and what have they been asking yeah. us? Right, scum. One hour, 27 minutes. We have 16 questions. I will start with Chris. First, no, actually, I can't give that one to Chris. First one to Daniel from Amanda, who is at Goonagirl1969 on Twitter. Where the AF have you two um, been? Do, 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 do you want the, the, the honest answer? Because it's going to bring down the mood. <laughs> I'll go first, then. No, we'll save that for another. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, on the run, prison uh, due to a case of mistaken identity. A bit like like prison break kind of thing. You yeah, I mean, off. I had to tattoo my body, and then everything was a climax every five minutes, and then I escaped, and then somebody named Teabag kept chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, what. what... It, I'm surprised you guys haven't picked up on it yet, but James and I swapped identities in a face-off kind of situation. So um, <laughs> I'm actually James. That's actually Daniel. So, yeah. So there you go. There, there's um, the answer. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, the 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 positive version of what I've been doing is, is I've got um, I've had I've had a second second kid. Uh, we bought our first house um, and. Uh, I started a, a, a new a new job, shall we say? Um, and yeah, it's just kept me very very busy. So that that's where I've been. Been man, been busy. Well, Daniel has actually got a, a story, but we couldn't do it justice in the ten minutes we have of the show Absolutely left. Not. So maybe when we, uh, we we have done a few um, special podcasts on on the situation yeah, that I, he was that in, was so maybe he might do it. Actually, um, if, yeah, or maybe if John um, wanted to do another follow, I think that'd be a really good story to tell. Uh, so it's yeah, important, it's important story to tell mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Jason yeah. used to do them, but now uh, Jason's AWOL. He's in lockdown, and uh, yeah, so you, yeah, you John, really John's uh, spoilers, had his own dealings with. Like <laughs> yeah, you really are. Yeah, what, what we're actually saying, we basically just uh, gave it away. What, what we're I actually saying, what we're saying, dear listener, is, no, is basically James has had his penis removed, um, and and it was stitched on to oh, Daniel. So it's something, it's something we've talked about for years. I mean, you finally, yeah. you know, got up the courage to do it. Now I can and tell it, Daniel to go fuck himself, and I'm helping him. <laughs> exactly, and 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 that's where Daniel Two Dicks was born. So you know, that, and, that, you know, and, and every time James tells me to go and fuck myself, I always tell him, "Do it yourself, you coward." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Avon Teddington, who is always very reliable when it comes to news, has said Hayland has been closed after a positive test for COVID. That'll be, that'll know, be Mezzard. That'll be Agent Mezzard. He's deliberately football. picked it up. I am, of course, allegedly, I'm not actually saying he has before anyone sues me. Agent Mezzard has, has let it free in, in Colney, and this is his revenge. It's going to be the season of Ozil. Before, before we move on, do you think I should actually answer Amanda's question properly? Yeah, I, th- I think you should, yeah. I'll do it briefly. I've taken a hiatus from podcasts because I've gotten married, I've moved house, I've had my first child. And up until this point, we haven't really had the time to really put our collective talons into it. Talons, I like that. Is that talons or talents? Talons. Or oh, as I was saying, Dan, Dan might let you know in the form of some tweets. He might tweet where what Daniel's has been up to. Oh, I, I will die. Uh, but you have to wait until the 6th of December. <laughs> There you go. There, 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 there is a tease. There is a tease. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Next right, question. Um, and Danny, Danny, bef- Danny, before next I forget, please check for your WhatsApp. Nothing to do with me. Yep. <laughs> Okie dokie. Right. Uh, next question will go to Chris from our very own Carl. He says, if we play with a midfield of two, who do we start? Xhaka and Party seems too defensive. Does Xhaka get dropped uh, for Ceballos? I personally would go with Partey and Ceballos long-term because I've always said and will continue to say Granit Xhaka has done brilliant things since his redemption and, and you know he's proven that he's a very valuable player for us. But I think Party's an upgrade, and I love Danny Ceballos. So I've got a man crush on him, um, and I think he's a wonderful footballer. That said, I still think there's plenty of room for Xhaka in this side. When we go to quote unquote the tough games, or you know when we're back in the Champions League, which obviously inevitably we will be next year, um, there will be certain games where you need to play a three-man midfield, and you need to to, to bulk the midfield out. And a midfield of of Xhaka, Party, and and uh, Ceballos would be quite tasty. I also think Xhaka will get games if indeed we do bring in a creative player, you know, in the likes of our type of role. So I still think there's a future for Granite, but I would love to see Partey and Ceballos personally, yeah. Well, I think it was comprehensive, That's wasn't it? That's a very good answer. I try, I, I think occasionally. It was very, very good. Um, here we go. One for you, James, from Mike in our Discord chat, which is, uh, easy, which is, which is a new thing. And uh, unlike all Discord chats. We don't have wanky mods in there telling you off. You can come in there and do whatever the damn you want. He says, uh, will Partey debut against Shitty? I think he possibly means Um, Man City. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I mean, he's not like a young 21, 20-year-old player. He's going to need time to adapt. He's played in La Liga. He's played in big games. He's played at the Bernabeu. He's played at the New Camp. He's played in Champions League games. He has the experience. I don't see any reason why he can't, presuming he's fit, slot straight in. So I would, say, I would say, yeah. That's a good answer as well. If, if yeah. I was like, and I was making the big okay. decisions, I'd pick him. He won't need too much of a transition, I don't think. It'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be weeks rather than months, that's for sure. Okay, right. Next question will be for Daniel from Matt L. Roberts on Twitter. How much do you miss Gunnosaurus? And do you think that if the new signing is announced, that they might have to wear the suit for the reveal video? <laughs> well, I, I kind of feel like we. Uh, I'm just reading these as they we've, we've about absolutely that. missed the boat in um, the the reveal 
video. I mean, it would have been really great PR if the um, Gunnosaurus story was a fake one, but it was leaked on purpose. Get everyone riled up, and then you do a video saying we bought back Gunnosaurus, and then you know whips it off, and it's Thomas Partey and he shouts Gunnosaurus or some shit like that. I think that was suggested on Twitter and, and made me laugh. <laughs> that that would have been um, elite shit posting, um, and it would have gone down in the the annals of history. But um, Oh, I've forgotten where the question is going, but yeah, Gunnosaurus. I don't, I, I don't miss Gunnosaurus because I haven't been to the Emirates in years because it's bloody hard to get a ticket, um, and now it's impossible to get a ticket because no one's going. So I don't really miss Gunnosaurus at all. But um, I, I, I wish. Um, what, 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 what did Arsene Wenger used to say? Was it? I wish him well. I wish him well. Yeah, That's I didn't true. see it, but I wish him well. <laughs> As do we all. Uh, right, next question. Uh, while you're speak, talking about this, Chris, I'm going to turn my camera on and off, so don't shit your uh -huh. pants thinking I've gone because I haven't. Um, no, yeah, the Chris, yes, Chris next. Archie from YouTube. Do Arsenal fans need to stay, take a step back blaming Cronky as this window has shown they have backed and shown confidence yes. in Arteta this Yes, I do. Summer. I think Josh, um, Drew and myself are all in this boat for memory um, from our crew. I I'm not saying that John or um, you know, Rich or Femi or Carl or everybody else aren't in the same boat, but I know that, that Josh and Drew and I have spoken about this a lot. Um, are the Cronkies the best owners for Arsenal Football Club? Probably not. Um, are they fully invested in the club? Probably not. Have they backed us when we needed it? To a degree. I wouldn't say they've gone above and beyond because if they'd have gone above and beyond, we would be sat here with Hussein Moir and Thomas Party now because it was clear that we were only, you know, I know I say only 10 million, but I genuinely think six to eight, we would have got the deal done for Leon. So there was clearly some some mismanagement there in terms of the finances. Um, their priority is, is in the US. They are US citizens. Um, they own a lot of US franchises. So, you know... <laughs> At the risk of making myself very unpopular, if I was in their shoes, I'd probably be doing the same. You know, that the money is is in that American stadium and in that franchise. And and Arsenal probably is second to them. To us, it will always come first because we're the fans and it's on our doorstep and etc. and so on. But I, I'm not I'm not for a minute sort of defending them, but I do feel like it's a little bit of a lazy argument now, uh, where people just go, "Oh, they don't spend any fucking money." You know, you can have all the money in the world, um, or you could just be like Tottenham and pillage it from the government, claiming to be poor, and then spend it on a left back. Imagine, but um, allegedly, but yeah, I just think it's I just think it's a bit of a lazy argument, um, and I feel that. The, the time to worry is when we're not bringing in players and we're selling our top players again. That's when you really need to worry. And at the moment, it seems to have gone the other way. And if we bring in one marquee, one, one marquee signing every window, I don't really see that as a bad thing. Transfers is not the be-all and end-all these days. Despite so as we're in a hurry, is that a yes or a no? Yes. No, I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> cannot get the staff next question for james is from shane underscore b4 dot da dot dollar dollar i think that's meant to say shane badass it doesn't um on twitter that's he's a very popular last dreams name. crushed right there danny's just it's crushed a, the dreams. Uh, double dollar he says how many premier league starts including subs will this with emil death row make this season you know he wants to predict Oh, yeah. uh, you know, mate. Wait, did you say um, 
Row. That's what Death we call him. Yeah, Death Row Records. Um, how many stars? Star, including uh, Savage appearances. Yep. 13. I think we're close to zero, but there you no, go. I reckon, he'll make I reckon he'll play a few of the... Um, what was the Premier League starts? Yeah. I, I, 12 I, let me, uh No, I was... I was I didn't hear the question. I wasn't paying attention to be perfect. That's always good on a podcast. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, I've been up since four this morning, so I'm sort of a little bit languid now. Um, Premier League starts, including substitute appearances. Two. Oh. But 13 in the Europa League is what I was initially trying to say before I fucked it up. And <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, when Affleck was going to be shut down, that question is irrelevant. Right, next question for Daniel. This is from our very own Ellis Smells. He says, uh, who gave me wonderful uh, COVID advice today. He spent two and a half minutes and uh, wasn't sure what the answer was. Cheers, Ellis. Fuck Ellis. <laughs> he says, who's Daniel's and... Ja oh, good God, this lined up lovely. Who's Daniel and James's pick of the week? Chris and Danny can join in if you like to. Good God, trick there we go. He meant trick of the week, not pick of the week. Get it right, Daniel. Oh, Oh, it is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. As in from the uh, podcast. Go on. It's been a while. Go on. I'll let, I'll let James go first. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've not prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> customarily. Jesus Christ the... is not a good pick. <laughs> no. Especially as it's almost his birthday. You'll get in trouble uh, for that kind of thing these days. Okay. Let me retract that in no way, shape, or form. Was I calling our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ a prick? <laughs> a <class laughs> perhaps, but not a prick. Um, <laughs> Um, Christ, uh, no, not Christ. We've established that. Who do I have zero time? Prick of the week. Um, uh, the I guy outside my house who every now and then drives past on his souped up, you know, trumped up roller skate, making out of a racket while my little boy's trying to sleep. So that motherfucker, he can be prick of the week. Wanker. That's actually Danny, by the way. That's Danny doing that. Yeah, I, I think there's a more obvious candidate here, so I'm going to be disappointed if if Daniel doesn't go down this route. But so let's see. Post, postman Pat. Well, well, I mean, so I'm, unfortunately, <laughs> postman, yeah, Pat. Postman, postman, postman Pat is a prick. And Stuart um, Little, fuck no, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to have to. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bring the podcast down. I'm going to have to go political. I'm not going to go on a long rant. I'm just going to say Boris Johnson. And for those who aren't using video, I'm gesturing. Just just look at what is going on around us. Look at the shit show that you know, this country is being subjected to. We've, you know, we're in, we're out with COVID restrictions. We don't know what's going on. Rule of six, rule of 26, go down the pub. Don't go down the pub, but do go down the pub. Um, don't go to the cinema. Do go to the cinema. Stay at home, but don't stay at home. Don't use the trains. Do use the trains, you know, um, work from home to stop the virus but you've got to go to the office uh, in order to spend three quid at costa to save the economy and all this other bullshit they've got no clue what they're doing and you know we're all just uh closes down we're all gonna die and and you oh, well to... i mean london's gonna go out of business if if pret manger closes down but i mean Brilliant. come on i mean you know look at um you know just just look what's you know going on with uh, you know all 
the like the test and trace fiasco, billions and billions of public money being handed to people who use fucking Excel spreadsheets in order to track and trace cases. It's a it's an abs- it's absolutely <laughs> the limit of sixty eight thousand lines. So thirty six thousand. Oh, and the things not not even the current version of Excel. They're using the the Windows ninety eight version of Excel. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking, come on, give me ten billion quid and I'll build you a database from scratch. And the biggest Jesus Christ, no. and the biggest crime of all. All of it, the biggest cry of all of it, is that even the ladies are suffering because they kind of admitted that the eat everybody out on a Wednesday night didn't work. Yeah, and do you know what? It's uh, a cunning linguist it back to football. Why, thank you. Bring it, but bring it back to football. All, all of the, all of this lack of clarity, lack of um, coherence around dealing with the COVID situation has put us in a position where potentially we might lose players to games who have to self isolate because of international duty. We've already seen it with Kieran Tierney. Is that going to affect when we play City? Could it potentially Stand affect like it, yeah. uh, Thomas Partey making his um, his debut? And I, and I think that. You know, we've got players who are now being forced to isolate despite testing negative because of the the unclear and incoherent system that we've got around testing, tracking and tracing. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's got it's got to be Boris Johnson and those mugs in the government for wasting all the money and not just fucking up the country, but potentially ruin, ruining football. Mm. Can I readdress my answer, please? <laughs> yeah. you, you may <laughs> I just along Daniel's political lines I thought of a really good one my prick of the week is the person who sits on a boat and has the perfect golden opportunity to push Nigel Farage into the sea and <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true it wouldn't have happened if Fife was there Fife would have been right in there if it even just put him in the ocean and you know drive off and then you ain't got Bring to deal Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase "get in the sea," doesn't it? Yeah. What's your answer, Chris? Come on, get a wiggle on. Uh, Graham Soonis and Patrice Evra. If you don't know why, go and watch Sky Sports from last week. Oh, and Jermaine Jenis, because the man is a massive bellend. I don't think I need to say anything else. <laughs> no, that's um, my, my prick of the week is the EU because I support. I voted Brexit. Damn you, people! I feel like we should move on at that point, really. <laughs> Driving on the wrong side of the road in your non-speaking English ways and your sausages, you bastards. Sausages. Unless of course I go there, then uh, don't, don't worry, Danny won't be arriving anytime soon. I wouldn't worry about that. Right, uh, next question is for Chris. Hold on, everyone, get comfy. This okay. from Jimmy. Um, Jimmy R, DCU Guna, or whichever oh, name he's using, whichever platforms, it changes on everyone to confuse Poor me. Jimmy. As of this moment, Thomas Partey has yet to tweet about joining Arsenal. How quickly do you want this ungrateful <laughs> twat out of our club? <laughs> Immediately. I'm so glad that Jimmy made a joke out of that because I've legit seen people losing their shit over the fact that he's only done like one Instagram post saying thank you for the kind welcome. He's on international duty, you fuckwits. Like he didn't even get the opportunity to meet with the with the people who were doing the deal. He hasn't even been given a shirt yet. Jesus H, honestly, like some people. We have. Go on. I've just seen. Yeah, I've just seen. A, a, we, we have a new member. I'd rather put my focus into into saying Go welcome on, to the Believing Guna. Member. 
Welcome to the Believing Guna, who has just signed up the, the 2 dollars pledge, the ABW pledge. That's what we're going to call it. That's what you guys spend this time. And what, what does that mean? Because Mike's on, on free kicks. So can we, can we give the Believing Guna pens? They're going to have to split it. They're going to have to go um, uh, like when Ian Wright joined Arsenal. One of them is going to have to stop. And one can take corners from one side, the other take corners from the other side. Oh, no, um, no. I'm The Believing Guna has done the I'm a Mushroom, and that's... Uh, hello, I'm a Mushroom. Everyone else who is ah. also a Mushroom, you must also say hello to him as in the way of the Mushroom. We are the Mushroom. The way of the Mushroom. Oh, we've, we've got a new tier system that Danny basically created. Maybe you're smoking too much children in need. Bloody yeah. Mushroom. Danny, Danny thinks go. of weird things late at night, I can tell you. So, uh, yeah. I used so, to say, if you want to shout a, a gentleman's nod during the show, at the beginning of the show, you have to type in the chat box, I'm a mushroom. And so people would put in there, I'm a mushroom, and then I'd read their name out. And so when I was, uh, there you go, like our very own Josh, hello, I'm a mushroom. A mushroom. And then is. I'd say, hello, Josh. Good afternoon, Josh ABW. Is, th- is this because you're all fun guys? We hey! are. There's a guy. And also, Sweden. My, uh, my rant at the EU then doesn't include Sweden because I love Sweden because me and Chris are, are Swedish. There is someone here who keeps saying, get oh, fucked, God. Danny. Yeah, that's Michael. <laughs> He's sweet. It's Michael in Sweden. He's allowed to. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yes. All right, so oh, what's the next go. question? Yes, let's move on. Oh, Avon's <laughs> gone and ruined it. He's an omelette. Uh, Chris Lodato, I'm a mushroom. See what you've started now asking. Why do people put I'm a mushroom? Right, next Chris, question. Chris, Chris, Chris Lodato is having a lovely time right now because here's Orlando Magic. They're not called Orlando Magics. Um, they're, they're actually called Orlando City FC. But um, they're having a very good season. They've got Nani, yeah. don't you know? They're having a so lovely a relative time of the mushroom family is the truffle. Indeed. Which, and we've got an interesting story about truffles, haven't we, James? Yeah, uh, we used to send Jock into the bushes to hunt for them. That's not the story, is it, Ice Truffle? Uh, the story is that one of the first things my girlfriend, now wife, did for me was dye my bonds. As your up. first date? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Not technically, but yeah, it was. Um, and the co- colour of the dye which was purchased to wash away, wash away my ageing greys was iced truffle so i have yet to live down to this day <laughs> oh, i do yeah, never me. will you will never live that uh, down in fairness i probably shouldn't i mean you, i'm a grown-ass me man dying dying my hair you never catch me dying my hair well, no you're not even a grown-ass man dying your hair you're a grown-ass man having a potential new lover come round to dye your hair for you <laughs> which was my idea go go gray <laughs> oh, just go this is with almost pride. as bad as the time we found out that Jock's first date with his wife was Pizza Hut and he made her pay. <laughs> <That> <laughs> he's selfish, for Christ's sake. What did you expect? I suppose you want to eat by and bro. I love that angry man. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. We should, we should I like, because he, he's going to listen to this, so we should say that um, he is one of the greatest people in the world and... We love him yeah. dearly. And and he's painfully handsome these days. And if you see that picture saying. that's behind yeah. Daniel's head taken from my wedding day, you can see him leaping gloriously into the air. Like a wounded horse. That picture there is from my wedding day. We recreated the scene from Anchorman where they freeze frame and jump in the sky. See, that? see that's the sort of class that you're missing out on. 
by not podcasting, you see. Gems like that. <laughs> yes, hello to Jock. Danny. Well, when we podcasted sixty percent of the time, it worked every time. <laughs> are you ready for another question you finish waffling on yeah. like old ladies okay yeah. next one i forgot who had this right it's a, it's a double one from k-man 1867 on youtube and gunadab on twitter k-man yes. says this is for chris i don't know i don't know where i'm starting again at chris um k-man says oh, is asking for benarama too greedy and guna dubs is do you think we could we sh- could and should go for brentford for benarama in the next week could offer balogun in brackets who they bid for last year and cash or even a saliba on loan yeah uh in short i think he's a very very gifted player <sighs> kind of a bit of what we've got already so we'd have to deploy him differently because he's a wide forward rather than a 10 but if we could get the right deal done, i.e., I wouldn't let go of Balogun. As I said, I think he has got a future. Saliba on loan would make a lot of sense if you know if we need to get him playing time. Um, there's another player in the championship who um, led to believe we're having a look at as well. I'll keep my powder dry on that one. But um, is yeah. it a guy from Norwich? Yeah, Emi Buendia. So now I'll just spill my guts on that one. Credit to Neil for that one who uh, filled me in on that yesterday. But yeah. Um, either or, I think I'd probably go with Ben Rama more because he's your modern archetypal, speedy, quick feet, etc., and so on. Whereas Bendia is more of a creator. Um, and I'm not saying we don't need that because we do, but I like the idea of speed and creation, not just creation. But uh, as Jesus once said, but um, yeah, I, I would do it if the deal was right for us and the money was right, obviously. Well, there you go. That's uh, almost a record for you. Answer the final question and got on with it. Next question, I'm going to go down to Daniel um, from Sai and Vesh on YouTube. What formation were we playing yesterday? I think he means against Sheffield United. Uh, because it form- did look all over formation. the shop. It'd probably be quicker to say what formation didn't we play. I think that that's the <laughs> point, isn't it? Um, it was, you know, it was it was uh, a beautiful display of, uh, you know, footballing fluidity. Um, you know, we were... We had centre backs who, uh, at one point, were playing wing wing backs. We had wing backs who were um, playing as strikers. You know, we were we were transitioning. If we were attacking, we were attacking as a team. If we were defending, we were defending as a team. If there was a gap to be filled, and I'm, I know what James is going to say next, someone was there to fill it. Um, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you know, I think that. I mean, we started with um, with, with a. a, a, a a three four three um and how we finished god knows how we finished but um it was it was it was good watching okay yes it was it's interesting to see all the um the different ways the teams have been drilled in changing their formation and immediately going from one to the other and making it work perfectly chris if anything happens in the chat do let me know uh, next question that. is going to be for james from mr dj the at expat guna on twitter what do the hosts and guests think of the report that majority shareholder Enos Kroenke, never heard of him, actually of Kroenke, actually financed the purchase of Thomas Party. Do you foresee a warmth in the attitude of supporters to him knowing he has, in brackets reportedly, finally opened his wallet for purchase? Is um, I suppose you've got to give, give an answer that's uh, hypothetical because, like you, I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't heard of this. So let's just say for the sake of the um, my answer that he did do it. Who is Enos Kroenke, anyway? 
I think maybe they're taking a piss. Yeah. Okay, let's... I hope so. Uh, let's just assume, uh, to assume that I'll have to answer the question. Do I think it will? No. They could come onto the centre of the amps, shit out a gold bar for everyone, and someone would still have something to moan about, wouldn't it? Because it, it's, it's Arsenal a, Yeah, it, it's Arsenal Twitter. And if they don't have an avenue in which to challenge the burning fires within, then they'll just find something else. There are so, even um, people moaning about Socrates not giving up his number five when Partey signed. That, that's the level we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I mean, there isn't much that the... Um, I don't want to, I, I want to say dregs of Arsenal Twitter because in my experience, the majority of Arsenal Twitter are all good people. There's just sort of like insidious scumbags underneath that layer. They just make it, and they're the ones that get all the attention. Um, they'll be the ones that get annoyed about what I've just said. Uh, I'm not sure the reception's particularly good in I Spain, wife-wise, so I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, it's, like, it's like that guy who I, I, I remember once saying years ago that um, that there are there's a certain element of Arsenal fans and, you know, there's a, a small minority of people who have never liked Arsene Wenger and they were always opposed to him because he was French. That's it. Mm. They just had a yeah. deep distrust of, of, of foreigners and they were always looking for a reason to dig him out. And one guy read that or believed that that was me saying is that anyone who wants Wenger out is a racist and so I'm not a racist so he sat up on I think it was New Year's Eve 2013 and spent the entire night tweeting every th three three or four minutes not even atting me just on his own timeline Daniel Cowan as a see you next Tuesday um <laughs> it was about 150 tweets at the end of the night and I was like have you not got better ways to spend you you must remember that James um no I'm just about to relay the story like, of my favorite abuse that I've ever got online yeah it was I remember I wrote a blog uh, a blog post a blog post <laughs> and yeah it was sort of meandering, so I started it with what I'd had for breakfast. And I remember that I'd written, I had a cup of tea and some... Um, I remember Alp this. Alpen porridge. And somebody actually yes. uh, wrote in the comments, Alpen don't make porridge, you stupid cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a quote, so you're allowed to use the C word. Yeah. And then you, you, had, you sent him um, a picture of the box porridge. of cereal. There's Alpen porridge. You went, he went ballistic and then just kept going on and on. But yeah, you know, uh, what James said about Cronky, you, know, you know, shitting out gold bars, I, I was going to say, you know, he could, he could, he could swim across the channel and bring um, Ua back, you know, un, under his arm like a baby seal or something and just bring him to the Emma and, and present him sort of a symbol of pride rock, just hold him out in front of the stadium you know look look at this gift for you and everyone would still tell him to piss off i i think that you know no no amount of good work he could someone he, up, you're still paying that it does or 350 yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 i i think that there's there, there comes a certain point where um individuals cross lines and no matter what they do they can't ever come back from that um and I think that the Cronkies and their ownership of the club, they crossed that line many, many years ago when people felt that they weren't they weren't putting into the club, they were only taking out of the club. So it doesn't matter what they do now, people are always going to re remember that. I don't think that they, they can ever, and, and probably rightly so. I mean, you know, they, they, they treated us like a cash cow for a while um, and, uh, you know, used us to leverage lots of their other um, purchases of other sports teams and things to grow their empire. 
So, you know, but, but to be fair, who really gives a shit what the owner's doing as long as we're doing it on the pitch? On the pitch, exactly. Nobody's going to care if we're winning things. And, and a sidebar to that, if you were one of those Muppets tweeting either Edu or his family abuse, shame on you. Because um, I thought yeah, that post that on Instagram was really classy. Where it was just, I think it was just a gentle, A, it was a gentle thank you to his staff behind the scenes, but also a mm. gentle... A gentle dig back to say, just so you know, fuckwits, we're working hard all the time and we're trying our best. Um, I thought that was that was class. So yeah, if you were one of those yeah. people, naff off. Um, Danny, how many how many questions have we got left? Just in the interest, I want to try and wrap this up in two hours. So four, four. Go on then, quick fire. You hurry up. Next question from GG More sixty seven on Twitch. Yes. Did we really go for? Oh, good God, this is to out perfectly. Did really go for Oar initially knowing we could fall back on the release clause as the fullback position uh, no. go for Oar in like in as in go for Oar as a smoke screen to get party yeah where we going Oar Oar hey you no. party no. get ready Oar I'll try really really quickly no, to no, try I'm, not, I'm so unconfident in this I'm gonna have a drink all right, have a drink. We missed the chance to, to, to do the hashtag, it's party hour. It's party hour. That would have been something special. Um, right, so... It's our party and we'll cry if we want to. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. The, 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 the short answer was we wanted both. And we'll we stick with that then. Thank you very much. No, there's more to it. Oh, God. We wanted both. Arteta wanted both. They were the two players that identified... The information I was going to say to you earlier on, um, this whole situation with Leon, uh, Jean-Michel Olas is very well known to be quite a stringent negotiator and to a certain degree, fair play to him. He looks after Leon's interests, it's his club, and he's very active on social media. You know, how he conducts himself, not really for me, but fair play, he looks after his club's own interests. This statement that Hussein Mawar came out with when he said, I'm a Lyonnais, uh, I want to stay with this club for another season, I'm happy here, um, that part's true, in fairness. Um, but him coming out saying that he made the decision to stay, uh, just so you're all aware, is bollocks. That is not what happened. What actually happened was that he had made up his mind that he wanted to leave. He was essentially accepting of the fact he was going to leave. He was happy to come to Arsenal, as was Memphis Depay to go to Barcelona. Um, the difference between the two is that Depay's a bit of a, well, I mean, we know he's got a bit of an ego and he's not a Lyonnais. So he was kind of like, you know, he's not one of their own. So he was a little bit more, you know, I want to go and he wanted to push the move through. Whereas Awar essentially said, look, I'd like the opportunity. It is a big club. I'd like the chance to move. But if it doesn't happen, I'll quite happily stay. That that was that was the story. So this idea that people are coming out with saying that, you know, we we didn't want to push through for the deal and we got priced out and all it, it's not the truth. Leon wanted what they asked for, um, and we thought we could get the deal done a little bit less. And and I'm led to believe we went as high as forty six million. I don't know if that's hundred percent, but people I trust have told me that's the case, and I don't have any reason to disbelieve them. Leon wanted fifty, and to a degree. You know, fair play. Um, they stuck by their guns. And for the sake of four million, should we have pushed the boat out? Probably. Um, but knowing Olas, he probably would have then moved it up to 56 million if we'd have offered, offered 50. So 
the the only downside is he will probably end up going somewhere like Juventus or Man City next summer when hopefully the world is not falling apart, which is the sad thing. But yeah, this idea that he chose to stay at Lyon over <laughs> Arsenal is bollocks. There you go. Is that a yes or a no? Uh, that's a maybe. Thank you very much. I like it when you're concise. Right. The penultimate question will go to James. Um, it is going to be Jimmy H29 on YouTubings. So, Edu posted a picture on his social media of people getting the deal done. So, who was in Spain with the briefcase at the Spanish FA as you have to personally give them the money? What's the answer? Dick Law. Shut up. Don't ruin it. James, have you <laughs> any idea? Yeah, it's, um, it was a selection of people from Arsenal's lesser lesser known backroom staff. I think the main three people that were there were Nan Slack, uh, Giuseppe Race, and Heathcock Pursuit. <laughs> Iqbal Achieve was there too. Iqbal Achieve, Basil Watchfair, uh, Charles Bonus, um, Kenton Schweppes was also there in attendance as well. He's a big Sadly, player. Brian Sibling had passed away. And... Yeah. The whole ring was led by Ray fucking Purchase. <laughs> <laughs> was was Rich T consulted or was he not even... I don't think he was even consulted in the end, was he? Um, Clint Overies was as well. Ah, Clint Overies, oh. yeah. Well, that would explain why Rich T was not part of the negotiations then. Well, there you go. That was breaking news. Not 100% reliable, but it was breaking no, news. No, it's 100%. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Look out for a blog tomorrow from somebody looking to get a claim, quoting all those names, saying these were the people that did the deal. I'll run through the names again for that person. It was Nan Slack, uh, Basil Watchfair, Heathcock Pursuit, uh, Kenton Schweppes, Charles Bonus, Iqbal Achieve, and the ringleader was Ray fucking Purchase. You heard it. You forgot, you forgot Cliff Bonanza. And Cliff Bonanza. Oh, my apologies. The legend. Cliff Bonanza, oh, Cliff Bonanza drove them Oh, there, and, 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 and Pookie Hook. Pookie Hook was the one at the was the one at the back, second to the left. Yeah, no We've been going two hours. Right, gentlemen, think of who your gentleman's nod is going to go to. Somebody that you like, because we will be up to that point in about hopefully twelve seconds. Final question to Daniel from Phil Macker on the YouTubings again. With tyranny, self tyranny, self isolating, I can't understand why we are playing internationals at all. Do you? Do you agree? Yeah. Answer the question. We should get used to uh, that. I'm, I'm not a big fan of international football at the best of times. So um, I always thought that having an international break about two weeks into the season is bloody stupid. So no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not happy. I'm really not happy about it, and um, I'm really not happy that potentially we're going to lose Tierney for another match. So uh, no, I do agree. No. Thank you, thank you. Right, because um, I've got the list, and the list is too long for Chris to read. I want to say thank you to our YouTube members, Nick Wilson, J-Rob, Bill Butler, Yemi Fash, Corey, Michael Harneyman, and Mike Hertz. Um, We are probably going to try and... Huh? (laughs) Um, Hopefully, (laughs) if we get enough of them, we might try and do something special for them, Chris. Something special? yeah, we, we other than the get, website, you need to stop telling people to. I mess haven't told up. them, have I? I've Good. been told off. Don't you say you're getting robbed I of getting all the money? Told me, I want all the monies. All of you freeloading scumbags, pay me the monies. Yeah, don't that's listen what I used to, to say, me. And now I don't because I've been told. This, right, this look doesn't pay for itself. Okay, it, it doesn't. Like, right. it does, so, Chris, 
Over to you. Yeah. Right, Danny. I shall now go for gentlemen's nods. Uh, this is a time in the show where you can nod away at people that you like or people you want to give a mention. I'll go first because I've already got two mentions in mind. Uh, the first one is a joint mention for former Arsenal players, Lord Jack of Wilshire and Sir Danny of Welbeck. Um, just very simple. I hope you both find clubs and I hope you both have fantastic careers still ahead of you. Two absolute G's, basically. Um, quality Arsenal players in their time. You know, obviously, Jack, we all know uh, how good a player he could have been. Um, hasn't been treated brilliantly at West Ham, which was a club he supported as a boy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Danny Welbeck, anyone you talk to said just a lovely bloke and an immensely talented footballer when fit. So I really hope both of them find clubs um, and I hope they come back to train with us if they haven't got somewhere to train. I know Jack's been offered by Hitchin, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see him come back and train with us if uh, if we've got the space. Um, and my other shout out and and uh, is um, just personal to me, really. Um, fuck cancer. Um, it took Eddie Van Halen yesterday. And that's another sad loss to an already depleted music industry, which has lost many incredible talents chester bennington and uh, chris cornell two of my favorites in the past few years have also been taken sadly due to varying different issues um and yeah i think losing van halen is another really sad loss to the music industry so sad times so might as well jump james who have you got uh i'm not going to name anyone specifically i'm going to keep it short and sweet and say my gentleman's nod is to everyone that's been in contact with Daniel and I and you guys in the last two or three days saying stuff. I like the highly missed the podcast, how it'd be nice to have us back, how they always enjoyed it. And anyone who said anything complimentary. That's, that's far too nice. Far, far too nice for this podcast. But no, pleasure to have you. Well, it's a gentleman's nod. If you told me to who would I want to go fuck themselves, I'd have list just as long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been here for another two hours. Yeah, who you got? And that's, and that's the from this week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've set that one up badly. Um, who have you got for us, Daniel? Uh, well, I, I have to echo everything that James just said. I've also had a lot of um, very personal well wishes. Uh, whereas we've both taken a hiatus from from podcasting, I've. I took a complete hiatus from Arsenal Twitter for the best part of um, three years. So um, to kind of get back into it and to see that I've still got a ridiculous uh, amount of people asking after me and wishing me uh, well and stuff has, has been wonderful. But I mean, I have to give my gentleman's nod to uh, people you, you, you'll all know. And you'll also remember um, from our old podcast days, um, you know, one of them's here, James, um, who, uh, you know, I'm going to get all soppy and say, you know, uh, not only is he uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but he's also um, my best friend. And I'm very, very proud to say that. Um, Second and here, man. Jock, um, and, and yeah, Jock, Sim and Mike, without those guys, uh, we wouldn't be doing this podcast tonight because i wouldn't be alive um though they, they, they really got me through some some really tough times and uh, they were there for me when 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 no one else was so uh yeah my gentleman's nod goes to real gentlemen amen to that well said well said and uh finally danny um you've kind of done the list of people but is there anything you want to plug anything you want to make mention of any stuff we're doing anything really 
Hopefully on Sunday we're going to do a show with the uh, Sophie Amanda and Kevin Campbell from the Highbury squad. If we don't do it Sunday, then maybe hopefully in the international break. Um, I would like ABW to get together and do a fantasy football show because after these pods, we always end up talking for ages and we talk for two hours a few weeks before that, um, talking about our fantasy football and going into all that. So maybe we could do another pod like that. Football's going to get shut down before the end of the season so we need to come up with some more stuff we're going to do me and chris might be doing some twitch only um just me and him talking about stuff which we've done before on twitch when we're doing gaming and stuff so it's not like we're moving anything from here to twitch it's just doing what we did on twitch before that no one ever come to watch we played games and stuff on there um should say uh our new um member uh the believing guna apparently he said his dad died from cancer so um yeah that's sad news condolences man yeah, actually, I will just plug one other very quick thing, and I promise this will be quick. If you okay. do watch Twitch, or if if you do, if you are if you are a Twitch person, um, and you follow, I mean, I know a lot of people in here are football fans and and often play FIFA, um, and we all uh, love and hate the game in equal measure, I'm sure. Um, one of the content creators that I follow, um, he's based in Canada. He's he's known as Nick Twenty Eighty. He does a forty hour charity stream every year for cancer research he stays awake for all of it uh yeah he does he is actually going to do some sleeping on stream this this year he said because he's getting older bless him but um yeah he does a 40-hour charity stream it's going to be i think for memory it's on the day that fifa's released this year which i'm sure is the ninth i'm going to double check this but yeah basically he does a charity stream um people can donate via bits and you know twitch sort of um currency and whatever but all of the proceeds goes to cancer research in canada um and obviously across the world and it helps to raise awareness and he sells he's got t-shirts with like fuck cancer on them etc and so on um but yeah the the charity stream is on october the 9th so two days time it's live on twitch it's nick 2018 um and yeah just give him some support and you don't have to subscribe just just nip in and watch uh, a grown man lose his shit at pixels on a screen as he would say it's good entertainment it's good fun and and it's for a really worthy cause i think they raised it's like 40 or 50 grand like in a in a couple of hours last year it's amazing a lot of content creators do it but he's one that i follow so just a little plug and uh god bless to the chap who mentioned about that yeah my actual nod goes to our Ellis, apart from using Spurs players and his fantasy team. Ellis is frontline in HS, A&E. He does a lot of stuff, and so does his, his wonderful missus, who's far too good-looking for him. And they've got two lovely girls. Um, also very pain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ellis has got to be dealing with all this shit, and he went through it last time, and it was an absolute nightmare. And things are going to get worse and worse, and then uh, hopefully we'll come through it the other side. But... Yeah, poor old Ellis and everyone else who works for the NHS and the frontline stuff. So, Chris, as we're wrapping up, uh, Daniel and James, can I play in the background a, a video of my favourite ever um, video that you two have of the wedding and the song? Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, you can do yeah. that. Excellent. All right, Chris, while yeah. you go and close the show, this is going to play for about 45 seconds, I think. It's got to go here, then I'm going to go here. There you go, Chris, you can close the show now. Okay. Um, well, that was a bird camp wonderland. Uh, thank you, of course, to the Goonersphere boys. Uh, really genuinely good to catch up with Daniel and James again. So thank you both for joining us tonight. And here's to many more with you again in the future. And, of course, thank you to Danny as well. Uh, but you have to be here. So uh, until the next podcast, hopefully on Sunday, 
Keep it Arsenal. Danny, shut this shit off. Sir! As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.